This is Michael Dooney, and you're listening to my favorite comic book podcast, 11 O'Clock Comics. Sounds different. Cavernous. What's yes. going on? Yes. Cavernous. Doesn't up. make a damn bit of sense. <laughs> and what it is, is you'd be here. And grateful for that fact. Wow. Very, very grateful. Live and in person. Yeah. Record and take a map. Thank you, Google Maps. <laughs> took yeah, me you gotta, you, you'll have to tell me tomorrow about the... Yeah, I will. But it took me to the gate to which I'm accustomed. Oh, Not that other bullshit on yeah, the other side. it's tricky. No, it it's is. Tricky. That's what happened last time when y'all were laughing at me because I was outside trying to right across the street. Yep. And you're like, whoa, like air traffic controllers trying to... I was about to call security. I was yeah. like, someone's stalking our place. Yeah, but we're not stalking you. No, we're here, as always, every week, in and out. It's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 771. And I'm a very relaxed Vince B. The B stands for Book of the Month. I am David A. Price. Look at you. And I'm uh, fresh back from my space trip back in the Emerald City. I'm Jeff Bezos. Hmm. We wouldn't be sitting here if you were Jeff. We'd, we'd be on my super yacht. I don't think we'd be this close together recording on, together. How about a helicarrier? You have enough money to buy a helicarrier. I mean, he literally built himself a rocket ship so he'd go into space, like right. be, be an astronaut. So, yeah, I'd say he has enough money to do that. But you're not Jeff Bezos. Mm. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Together on one of these rare ass episodes, right? a pre convention episode, because the launch pad is usually Jason's home. And uh, that's exactly what's happening tomorrow morning. <laughs> the crack of dawn. Oh, before the crack of dawn. Yeah. Uh, we will be jetting out to Seattle, Washington Woo! to attend Emerald City Comic Con 2021. It is a, uh, a trip of uncertainties because this is our first time. Indeed. We've well, never been. It's our first time yep. going beyond Chicago for a convention. It's our first time altogether on the West Coast. Right. First time in Seattle for me, and Same. first time at Emerald City Comic Con. Yeah. yeah. Same for me. First it's time in first, first time in Seattle. Yep. Yeah. Vince has been to Seattle because he's a world traveler. I have yeah. been. Yes. It's He's a got w- one in every port. It's I wish it's a wonderful city from what I saw of it. Yeah. But um, unfortunately, we have just rolled over the month. So the list of specials ah. on the uh, Butamus discount comic book service site, that's dcbservice.com, dcbservice.com, the list of specials has yet to be posted. But they will very soon. And you can rest assured, as we always say, the discounts will be both deep and plentiful. Plentiful. Yes, like a horn of plenty. Um, <laughs> Cornucopia. So go there. If you haven't yet, go there. DCBService.com. Take a look around and you will see just how much money you can save. It, they will stretch your comic book buying dollar to the point where you'll just love them. You'll want to send them a, a, a fig bar or something for Christmas because figs go with Christmas. Everybody worry about inflation. You know how you fight inflation and everything else you have to spend money on? Start using DCB service and save all that money from comics. You want to do this? Because no. that was good. Thank that you. That was good. Thank you. What? I wasn't being hostile. Oh, I thought, oh, I thought you were good. like, saying I was stepping on your dick. No. You can step on my dick any day. <laughs> nice. I have to so make sure it's go. not cold out, though. It would be hard to find. Discount comic book service. <laughs> DCBService.com? What's that? 
going on with you people? I did an audit. I did one of those frequent, like I went through my all of my unshipped items and checked for any that were right? significantly delayed uh, and just to check in. And I found six things that had me concerned uh, and only one was uh, was removed. Like only one was, was unavailable. So the other five just haven't been shipped yet because of the pandemic. So. so not bad. Yeah. What was the thing that hasn't been shipped? No, the one, the one, one of the six has been shipped, and they got shorted, and so they, and so I'm not going to be able to get it from them. And that was a uh, Bandet Volume Four. Oh, yeah, nice. it's a Volume Four. Yeah, wow. yeah, it's it, 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 apparently because it was supposed to ship months ago, and apparently it did, but they got shorted, and then they forgot to let me know. So, but uh, they were very. I mean, they got right back to me, and like I said, the other five are, should be good to go. So, I was pleased. It was a relatively painless audit. Excellent. He calls, calls it an audit. We we just like yeah we we brought our shit up and we looked at it and decided that there's stuff we didn't get yet. It's funny you which say is that. a lot easier saying audit. So mm, kudos to you. Yeah, I was uh, Beth was in Florida as you guys know, so I had to do some of the the logistics and so I had to pick up Jackson at, at high school uh, on Monday. But it's at the same time as my investment committee call, so I was on the call while I was waiting for him. And when he came in the car, I'm like, Shh, I'm on the call, and I was on the call the whole way home. And then at dinner, he's like. Dad, now mind you, everyone for those listening, Jackson is sixteen, going on seventeen. He's like, Dad, he's like it was crazy. I, I've never heard you in your work mode before. I'm like, oh, he's like, I, he's like, I never really heard you talking talking at work before. He's like, I'm like, what'd you think? He's like, I don't know what the hell you were saying, but it sounded impressive AF. I'm like, well, there you go. I'm like, I'm like that's the trick. I'm gonna have to have a talk with Jackson because you're always in work mode. Nah, maybe not within these walls. Nah, now you haven't heard my work mode, dude. Or really? Mad serious. Is it sexy and shit? Depends on your, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm gonna assume it is. I'm, gonna, I'm. It's a safe assumption. That's a safe assumption. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, because we have to be out of this beautiful home at 4 a.m. <laughs> yes, it's true. 4 a.m. Dap's thinking about how he's got to wake up like two to get himself his hair. His get himself. oh, he's gonna do it. <laughs> I, I, I know. I know Dap because when you and I were on the Slack. And we're like, yeah, man, we just won't take a shower in the morning. We'll just get our stuff together like, and go. I'm thinking, Dab is thinking, there is no friggin' way. <laughs> That's not true. You were, you were doing the text rendition of John Cage's 4 minutes and 33 seconds. Do you know what that is? <laughs> no. Uh, 4 minutes and 33 seconds is silence for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. That's his. And you were, like, you could see <laughs> the, the shit typing. <laughs> The little little ellipsis that goes on, but yeah. there was no words coming up. And I'm like, something's going on, but I'm not seeing anything. So I, I just had a feeling that you were just like, hell no. That's not true. <laughs> Did you think the same thing? Yeah, I right? was like, he's thinking, he's thinking I got to wake up at like three. I hope I don't wake him up. I got to wake up at one. I got to roll my clothes. I got to iron them. Nope, clothes are already my good panties. to go. I, I thought I had the clothes are already... The stuff I'm wearing tomorrow isn't even in the suitcase. It was in my other bag. Cause I'm just Perfect. Like, the stuff I'm wearing tomorrow is pretty much the stuff I got on right now. That's what I there thought about go. doing, but I was like, no, nah, it's all right. Yeah. Well, so you did a little bit. You were what? a little. I'm, I'm changing shirts. Okay. And underwear and socks. Underwear. Well, <laughs> for the ride. <laughs> I mean, for you tonight, there isn't, but... All right, oh, let's, yeah. Let's get down to business because this is the book of the month. Book episode. of the month. And uh, before we indulge ourselves in a wonderful piece of work called Transmetropolitan Book One, we are going to tell you what we're drinking because Jason, as always, was gracious enough to supply us with some, some drinkage. How is it, by the way? Oh, it's awesome. Oh, good, good. as hell. Nice. I am drinking 
N-A on cassette by some brewery. He gets down the bottom. Yeah. It's a Mosaic Citra Amarillo Eldorado Double India Pale Ale, and it's a pint. And I needed this. Word so up. We'll do the salute at the end, so I won't touch it until then, but I already did. You don't know that. Nice. Yeah, what you got over there? I don't know, because Jason oh. hooked me up. Oh, hold on. Hold on a second. I'll, I'll, go I'll need to top it off anyway, so that's fine. You just grab the bottle. Right. It is a delicious red. Well, of course. If it was white, it'd be in the toilet. Right. Um, I don't think it's uh, Casalapa store. I love it when people know you drink wine. They're like, oh, I just love this white. I'm just like, that shit ain't wine. No. That's grape juice. Okay, yeah. you're drinking uh, Las Huertas. Which is uh, a uh, Chilean wine from the Domaine de Rothschild. Shout out to my peoples. Uh, it's a Cabernet Sauvignon from 2018. Very nice. Nice. Thank you. It's you can delicious. you can kill those headphones, by the way. You don't need them. Yeah, that's why I took them off. Oh. But is there stuff still coming out of it? Oh, well, I mean, if yeah, I was we can't add that. Because then it'll be an echo. Oh, interesting. Hopefully it still sounds good since you're not. He always looks at me like I'm insane. But there's a method to my match. like... Listen, I, I I sing your praises high and wide. I mean, all the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes you've produced, and I feel like people always compliment our professional sound, which is, uh, you know, ironic considering that we're like a Skype podcast for most of the time. Bargain basement. No frills podcast. That's when you know you're good. That's I'm right. not breaking my arm, patting myself no, on the back. Yeah. Hey. But if we can make this sound like we got a mixer and an audio input board and all that shit, we're doing something right. Facts. But anyway. And I am drinking iced coffee. Because I got to drive at four in the morning. So, what did I say to you when I gave you a hug when I walked in? I don't know what you said. Eat a damn sandwich. Yeah, seriously. He's like, it's cold outside. It, yeah, well, maybe because it, really like not. Three it's just yeah, it's just you got no blood in your system. Listen, when we get to Seattle blue. and we're hanging out with the with our other crew, Cliff is like Cliff's like what you would call thin. Like he's thin. He's, he's fit. Emaciated. You're fit too. Yeah. yeah, you're the equivalent. You're the human equivalent of a Yorkie. Oh, a Yorkie. Yeah, you're you're small and light. And compact. I'm 6'3", though. You no, know, but I mean in terms of body mass. Hmm. You, there's almost nothing. Your bones are probably the most weighty thing in your body right now. I'll take your word for it. I'm next to this Johnson. Yeah. Nah. It's, it's a sickness is what it is. It's, it's, it's going to pass out. It's hard on. He, he's got the swole mentality. <laughs> I'm not Vinny Beats over here. He's not swole. No? No, he is. Yeah, yeah I feel he's like got he's, abs. Yeah, I feel like kid's in good shape. He's right. got abs. I see yeah. the occasional the IG post. He's looking like he's pretty fit. Yeah. How did his final football season go? Not so good? No. But did he have fun? He, uh, no? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Book of the month, people. <laughs> Word. Yes. That's why we're here. Transmetropolitan. And how did we come up with this Book of the Month? We just selected it. We just picked it. Yes, we did. How do we normally come up with the Book of the Month? Oh, yes. We normally cobble together painfully sometimes <laughs> a, a list of 11 possibles and then we float it over the patreon and the patrons get to select the book of the month and what's this patreon thing well you should know what it is because we talk about it all the time <laughs> patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics go there and you will see all of the stuff we usually offer because this month and this month only we are opening up the floodgates to everyone. Yes, sir. Everything's public. 
this month. Now, I had an idea mm. on the way in. Okay. And I talked to the patrons about it, and I'm assuming oh. they agreed with me. Okay. <laughs> They'll hear the audio file. I thought, well, it's not entirely fair to make our existing patrons contribute to something when everyone gets it free. So for their efforts, we are going to record or video exclusive Patreon content during the convention in addition to the normal Patreon content. So like bonus You've got to give the patrons something for their contribution. Sure. I mean, that's fine by me. Right? I'm always happy to. We're going to do it. You'll t- I, would, I would posit, though, I would posit that, the, uh, that the patrons get... The Slack channel, the care packages, the ability to vote on stuff—they do anyway. But, but and mean, also, I'm sure that because there are great friends and supporters, faithful. I don't think any of them are like going to feel put out that we're offering it free for a month because but they understand. Should. And the whole point is just to expand the EOC family and you know try and get a few more people interested in the patronage. patronage. But we should kick out a few choice nuggets for the patrons. Listen, you're, you're a man of the people. I'm you, whatever you want to so do. We're saving that for January. What's right. this? The the bonus stuff for the no we're gonna do it but we right but the now, whole point right is that everything on Patreon is free this month yes but we can tag things for patrons only right but the and whole, we'll put an ex- right we're we're opening up the floodgate but this is a little envelope slid across the hmm. table tap 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 this is something just sounds like we're going against what we said we were going to do though well okay well we've yet to decide obviously. <laughs> So, well, apparently you told the patrons about it on the ride here. They didn't hear it because I didn't upload it. Uh-huh. Oh, you didn't? It's still on you my sure? phone. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. It may be. St- no, it's not on my phone. They hear it. It's up there now. <laughs> I recorded a 27-minute journey to... I know. It's ridiculous. I, mine's in pieces because ways the, ha- the hazards kept popping up and ways cut me off. So I've got like five pieces. <laughs> well, let's, let's lasso... Let, let, let's, Four o'clock, people. 4 a.m. Let's lasso this, bronking, this, this bucking bronco. So normally... You guys hear us talk about Patreon all the time. Lots of stuff on the feed. In addition to the bonus content, audio content, we post stuff like uh, Vince posts covers of the day of cool covers that he likes. Doubled up. Double cover of the day these days. I uh, I do uh, six or eight times a year. There's big art auctions. I do previews of the stuff I think is really cool. We put up videos like on our previews and what we want to order. We go all sorts of things. Um, really anything we want. And then in, in, in December... Um, I always do an advent calendar, uh, a series of videos, which, which you'll get to see this year. And then, uh, and then usually the most jam packed, uh, in terms of content are con months because while we're at the con, we do lots of cool stuff that, uh, we can't do when we're not together. And so you're going to get all of that, all of that stuff. You're going to get, uh, just, uh, totally free access for you. And our hope is that you will, uh, you know, like what you see. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are curious about it, but maybe aren't sure about committing the shekels. And uh, maybe a few of you will check it out and think it's worth committing the shekels. Yeah. In addition to all that, we have uh, picked up the habit of saving the cutting room floor stuff. The uh, banter before and after the bloopers. episode. Yeah. The B-reel. Uh, the, the stuff that may or may not pertain to comics. Right. Um, and it's usually anywhere from two and a half to four plus hours of audio content a month that we just give to the, well, we share with the with the patrons. Because let's be honest, if you like us enough to become a patron, you're the only one who doesn't want to hear that shit. So uh, <laughs> we, we, we just spread the wealth all over the place. So if you would like to check it out, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Now let's get to damn business. Let's do it. Trans- so, well, no, I was going to say, uh, when 
when was your first experience with Transmetropolitan? I want to tell them who did it first. Please do. Yes. Uh, Transmetropolitan Book One was written, of course, by Warren Ellis. Mm-hmm. The visuals are by Derek Robertson, Rodney Ramos, Keith Aiken, Jerome K. Moore, Kim DeMolder, Ray Crissing, Dick Giordano, what? Nathan Earing, uh, and Clem Robbins. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, published between September 1997 and August of 1998. This first volume. The issues contained yeah. in this first volume. Transmit yeah. ran through, I think, 2002, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when did I first encounter it? As it was coming out. Okay. I bought in heavily into the Helix imprint. Loved nice. all the books. Nice. Um, I first read it probably like a year into us doing the show. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I picked up a bunch of the trades at uh, one of the Wild Pig sales because a bunch of people, like Mario and a bunch of other people, raved about it. And, uh, you know, I'd heard about it, but I, you know, I was, as you know, I wasn't reading DC back back then. Uh, yeah. And I read it then and, and I loved it. I, read, I think I bought like the first two or three trades cheap and loved them and then read the whole thing. So... When did you first encounter it, Tabby? Um, it was. It wasn't when it started. I, I picked up the first trade, which I think had the first three issues or so. Right. Yeah, it was um, three issue trade. It was weird. Yeah. yeah. And so I read that, and I dug it a lot. Um, and it, it's been one of those. And I was this something I was talked about in the recording on the ride over. But it's one of those books where. I knew it was something I was going to get back to. It's just, there's always something else to read. So it just, and if we ever found it at a con or whatever, I'd, I'd definitely pick it up. But so it just, it was something that I've wanted to read for a long time. Um, just never pushed myself to, to seek it out. So I'm glad that this was chosen. But um, yeah, it was, it was definitely the early aughts. It wasn't it was shortly after it started, but after the first trade, obviously. So you didn't, by the Helix books at all? Uh, not when they were coming out, because I stepped away for, for for a little bit. I I love the imprint. Yeah, Cyberella's great. Um, Vermilion is super good. What the hell was the thing I read earlier this year? Skeever? or Screamer? Yeah, Screamer wasn't Helix. You sure? Positive. Yeah, you probably are. that. The Screamer is a precursor to Helix. Okay. Yeah, but I mean a lot a lot of good books. Uh, Short lived imprint yep. because. Uh, while Transmetropolitan began uh, under the Helix imprint, it left that imprint with issue 13 when it transitioned over to Vertigo. It's uh, amazing it, how many things we remember as Vertigo that really weren't Vertigo. Swamp Thing, Swamp Thing Animal Man. Yeah, like all like the things we like mm-hmm. we view as like when you think of Vertigo really were like inherited Vertigo. Yeah, they now they're all black label, by the way. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. I, I mean, strong imprint. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Karen Berger. I mean. Yeah. 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 But, like, you think of her as, like, curating, but she didn't really create those three. I mean, there was so much that came after, though. It's, I'm not taking anything away from her. She was great. I think Transmet's pretty bulletproof. I, I don't see how any thinking, feeling individual can read Transmet and not at least respect it, if not admire it on some level. Yeah. It's, it's gross and abrasive and... Um, 
at times it may come off like the the main character is pretty soulless and <laughs> self-absorbed and and hedonistic and all of those things but at the core of it i think these especially these first 12 issues there's a there's a heart to the story and mr ellis may not want to admit it or that character that he's created for the public per, perception of him being the hard drinking um foul mouth insensitive Yob, I don't really think that's entirely true with Warren. I think mm-hmm. a lot of it is an act, but I could be wrong. Wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I would have no way of knowing. I mean, right. And and it's not ironic that he should adopt that kind of persona when the main character, Spider Jerusalem, was cut whole cloth from the character of Hunter S. Thompson. I was going to say he's basically Hunter S. Thompson with a British accent, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, the uh, progenitor of gonzo journalism you can't know the character of spider without picking up on the hunter s thompson vibe it's it's almost plagiarism mm-hmm. at some point mm-hmm. because the the two are very very close in character um as a fan of hunter s thompson i love the series because I mean, you pick up on it. Being a fan of Hunter, you know where the uh, inspiration came from. Mm-hmm. Now, anyone who hasn't read Thompson's work or has you know seen any of his interviews or read any of his pieces, you may not get it. You may think Spider is a totally unique, new, uh, you know, different character, but he's really not. It's 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 Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, also, too, I think that uh, you said something like it's bulletproof. I would agree with you. I mean, I think, for me, it's bulletproof as well. But I can see a lot of people disliking this, and I would imagine a lot did. Like, especially with your political leanings, if you're if you're not liberal or open to social change and the ills of the sort of corporate political media landscape, you're, you're going to hate this and think it's a bunch. Right? Like, I mean, I could picture, like, the CG crew, like, hating this. I mean, so. Like, this, well, is, definitely for, this is definitely for, like, it's bulletproof if you have a certain... Worldview. That's what, that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I, I I'll totally agree with yeah. that. But um, if you hate it, then you're really not someone I want to spend. Any no, time well, sure. right, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, um, I, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because at the core, it's um, religion corrupts, power corrupts, political positions corrupt. Like it's just everything Hunter rails against is the worm in the apple. And he is a proponent of the truth, like myself. I mean, this this series is taken almost verbatim from my character makeup. Like, don't trust politicians, don't trust religion, uh, religious figures, um, corporate figures, like any of any of the things that are the with that fall within the the crosshairs in Transmet. They fall within my crosshairs as well. So it's. Yeah, I have a, a genetic disposition to Transmetropolitan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but it's... I, I would be curious to our listeners who participated in this and maybe were unfamiliar with it or have, you know, some would consider leanings where maybe they don't dig on gonzo journalism or they don't view themselves as particularly progressive. Chime in. Let us know what you thought of it and if you enjoyed it for other reasons because it's really well executed. So, you yeah. know, if you're open-minded, I would hope you enjoy it regardless and you know, for what it is, but, uh, but like I found it when I read it the first time I, I read it as a, 
like I could see the satire in the message because it's it's not like he doesn't bury the message. The messages are pretty clear. Like, what right. but but it it didn't. I don't remember it like resonating with me in the, in the way that like I like I, I liked it and thought, oh yeah, I mean, right on. But I didn't. But I think after the journey we've had over the last nine plus years, we we as Americans, I think, oh okay, because yeah. I was saying. You have made a significant. Oh no, but I mean, like we as a society, though, like right. with, with the whole Trump stuff. I mean, I, it, and and then also with the advent, because when this came out, social media wasn't a thing, right? I mean, it wasn't really in existence yet. But reading it now, and 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 it 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 vibes so strongly with my own reticence and um, internal conflict about social media, you know, and, and the good of it, but then also what I think is really bad parts of it, and. And and the, the way that our society is moving, it just felt really poignant in a way that, like these these messages are not new, as you said. I mean, Hunter S. Thompson was talking about them decades ago, but but it felt really really poignant this time reading it more than I remember reading it the last time when it was just more fun and entertaining, and I saw it for what it was, but I didn't feel like in the moment I wasn't captivated by the message. But this time I was like, man, I'm like, my dude was on it. He saw what was going to happen. I think it's a very prescient work. Yeah, because. Um, he gets into gender identity, or, or or not so much gender identity, body but, modification, but body modification, sexuality, um, species, right? Uh, Sexual norms, romantic yeah. norms, yeah, yeah. like uh, like ro- like gender roles, the uh, ability of the media to control public perception mm-hmm. and alter said perception on a dime, um, the uh, inherent uh, misuse of political uh positions uh, public politicians openly admitting that that they they're in power because they don't because they realize that people don't want the truth right they want to be entertained they want to be distracted yeah at the core it's it's a a search for the truth and again uh some of the things that i believe wholeheartedly in is is the use of mind-altering substances to Mm -hmm. once you unlock that door there's no locking it back up and not to the point with uh, Spider and or Hunter S. Thompson, where they just consumed mass quantities of things that could potentially kill them. Um, no, uh, I believe in in the uh, the doors of perception swung wide open by these things. And once once you enter that hallway, you realize that the world's pretty much full of shit. And I think that's the message at this at the, at the core of Transmet is one man railing against the hypocrisy inherent in basically everything Mm -hmm. yeah it's a great work um and we'll get to the the uh the heartfelt parts soon but we gotta do diligence by the story um at the core it's spider jerusalem who was once a very very popular uh celebrated writer like hunter who uh, uncovered things that that pushed him into the spotlight, and he took a look at the landscape and decided, I got to get out of here, and retreated, mm-hmm. pulled Unplugged. back, went off the grid. Yeah, went off the grid, kicking and screaming, uh, into a, a self-imposed five-year exile. But he was reminded uh, <laughs> of an intentionally forgotten two-book contract. That uh, for which he was paid handsomely up front, and then produced nothing. Yeah, uh, and was threatened with legal action—a very strong motivational force. Per the terms of his contract, Spider had to write one book on politics, the thing 
that really inspired his creativity, and uh, another book of his choosing. But there's a problem. For Hunter, again, I'm going to make that mistake the whole time. For Spider to write about politics, he needs to be immersed in the political arena, and which means he has to be in the city. So he uproots, um, blows up a bar in the, in the process. And, you know, and I'm thinking, there could have been people in that bar. Yeah. Uh, people that are no longer alive. So, yeah, he killed so, people. Yeah. yeah, Hunter. Oh, damn it. You're hilarious. A spider could be a murderer. Sure. Without knowing it. Or, oh, I assume if, he knew it. I mean, he, he fired an RPG in a bar. I yeah. Mean. <laughs> even, but, but there, there is a Warner Brothers esque aspect to this. Like, yes, he blew up a bar, mm-hmm. but are fictional con- constructs really alive no yeah he could have killed people in this make-believe land in which he resides but like you know bugs buddy getting hit on the head with a mallet he's not gonna they're not gonna die it's just to prove a point Mm -hmm. where uh he he's very prone to uh snap judgments let's just say yeah he's very reactionary a little bit Mm -hmm. Uh, but so in order for him to do what he does to the fullest of his ability he needs to be in the city so uh, he has no recourse but to head into that which he despises the most, the population. And in order to complete his books, he needs an income, right? Mm-hmm. He, he can't live out of his car, so a job must be found. And he finds one in the offices of The Word, a newspaper Word. Helmed, <laughs> helmed by his old friend, Mitchell Royce. And uh, Hunt... Spider is, I'm sorry, Spider's a celebrity. Or he was yeah. one of such magnitude that even removing himself from the media for five years, the the magnitude of his accomplishments still resonate. So he walks into, well, he barges into Mitchell's office and, and, and demands a job. And Mitchell's like, yeah, okay. Uh, hooks him up with a, an apartment, hooks him up with a, with a news feed. Yeah, it's an All absolute sty though. Like he asked for a nice apartment, in, but it's an absolute sty. Initially, first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Initially, and he hooks him up with a Gotti one hundred and one maker, which is a, in a sense, a uh, cross between a MakerBot and the uh, Star Trek, the the, the uh, replicator. The replicator. Yep. Uh, it can do and make pretty much anything. Twenty five thousand things, I think. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, but the the maker. In Hunter in um, Spider's apartment, is uh, obsessed with Don Corleone, uh, Marlon Brando's character from The Godfather. The maker also manufactures its own drugs, so it's it's frequently stoned, um, very abrasive, and doesn't always follow orders. So Spider fashions clothing, and his own version of the Google Glass, Spider's glasses. His red and green shades can both record audio and take pictures. Like Google Glass wasn't even a an idea back then. No, I mean that's the thing. It's very the futuristic part is is spot on, right? I mean, just what Warren does so fucking well. Whether yeah. it's I mean science, biotech, anything that is close to being in the world of science fiction, Warren Ellis seems to be keyed into. And whether you read his old blogs or follow him on forums or even his old books there's always something there he, a lot of what he does 
is based on. If it's not realistic right this minute, he's aware of things that are coming or that they're working on so that he can incorporate them into his stories. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, and especially right now, I mean, we're, you know, we're in this, we're just at the start of this whole metaverse concept, you know, where companies like, well, Meta and it used to be Facebook and, and Roblox and all these companies are vying for what they think is going to be like the next, you know, trillion dollar opportunity, the Ready Player One kind of idea. And, uh, you know, and, and he was on it, right? I mean, you know, people were literally in this book are, are literally altering their physical and consciousness into other forms, yep. you know, to, to, find some kind of pleasure or, or, or new, you know, new perspective. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I have to say Ellis really was impressive with this. I mean, I, I'm a fan of futurists in general, uh, like Michio Kaku and stuff like, and guys like that. And, and I, I have to say, I mean, I think that Warren, like reading this now might, it might feel a little mundane, like on the nose because you're going to be like, Oh yeah, I get it. He's railing again. But you have to remember, he wrote this, like Vince said, it started in 1997, 1997, which is, uh, you know, a year after I graduated college, the internet existed, but it was like HTML splash websites. There was nothing dynamic. You, 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 it took an, it took, you know, an hour overnight while you were sleeping to download a song. Downloading a movie was a pipe dream. Freaking Duke Nukem took me almost a yeah, day to Yeah, download. I mean, it was, you know, the, we did not have the, the world. There was no such thing as smartphones. There was no, you know, there was no such thing as high-speed internet or, or streaming. I mean, none of this existed. I mean, sure, in science fiction books, but, but so he was, I mean, he was totally on it. And, like, it is grounded in reality, which I think is cool. Like, in the sense that it's not, it's not a sci-fi book, right? Like, it's, like, it is, it is a future book. Um, and it's, he doesn't ever say how far in the future this, this work takes place from when he wrote it, but it, it's not too far off from our current state affairs, right? It was much further, it was much more futuristic and sci-fi feeling when it came out. But, um, and a lot of times when you read science fiction books, like you kind of laugh because it'll be like, you know, a 1940s science fiction pulp will be set in 2020. 2005 and then you know we've come past and it's nothing like what they figured it's still we still have a long way to go but in this case his future is pretty much the now like he was very much on it i mean we're 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 not far off from from most of what you see in this book you know safer i mean there's some you know the the body modification and like turning your body into nano i mean sure that that's far away but a lot of like the underpinnings of the way society looks and runs is is not far off from how we are right now which is impressive Ellis has the ability to recognize a concept and see that invisible chain leading to its logical conclusion. Like, that's very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of guys can do that. Um, Timothy Leary was one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, For all his faults, mm-hmm. um, he, he knew that he, he, he saw the ability or the, the potential of the media to swing things in directions of those mm-hmm. that wanted, you know, uh, certain outcomes. And, I mean, that's small potatoes now. Like, we, we look at it and say, well, no kidding. But in 67, they looked at Timothy Leary like he was like he was out of his gourd. Mm-hmm. What do you mean the, the media can sway? Well, what about the truth? What about journalistic integrity? What about... Uh, and none of that exists anymore, yeah. by and large. I mean, yes, there are still journalists and, and news outlets that... Do pride themselves on the truth. Not many, but they're but not many. Not is many. right. Yeah. I mean, even the ones that we lean more towards. The point is, like, we shouldn't have a leaning. Like, oh. journalists shouldn't have a leaning. Like, the best journalist should have no leaning. But like, like we. I mean, obviously, we're all. I think much more prone to like CNN than Fox. And I would argue empirically, 
CNN is much more factual than Fox, like on a day to day basis. But CNN is still grossly propaganda. I mean, it's it's right. like it, like if you if you look at For it objectively, team. yeah. I mean, if, if one of our you know British friends was here visiting and they were, I mean, they would. It's totally slanted. I mean, it's it's got a. It is not a uh, you know most journalism that people consume today has a a definitive slant to it and uh, and personal opinion or political view is imbued into it and you know even when we were young we were taught that wasn't the way it should be yeah i I think slander and libel don't even exist anymore because you could say things about people in a public forum and there are no legal repercussions anymore Uh, and even if they do instigate there are people in place batting for the the opposition that will pretty much guarantee that you're not going to get anywhere with Mm -hmm. it so it's futile. Uh, you can say and do and float any kind of truth in, in quotes that yeah. you want out there, and it doesn't mean a damn anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what they were getting at. And, and it's all over this thing, So how well, easily the public is swayed based on what they see and, and what they mm-hmm. are fed. I mean, this being a comic, I mean, we've talked a lot about the messaging and, and how great Warren is. But, I mean, I think we need to give... Derek his props because yeah. you know I think that um, I would imagine a lot of people listening that haven't read much or any Transmet when we mention Transmet that they think of Spider Jerusalem I mean that, that character I think I think the character and the design of the character supersedes the amount of people that have really read the book right. because it's such a strong design it's indelible you know that like you said the two the two miscolored glasses and the bald head and he's all tatted up you know he's covered in tattoos which which again is a lot more normal now than it was. But Twenty years ago, initially when we meet Spider, right, he's, he look, he's Alan Moore. He, he, right, he's got like he looks like he's an island castaway. He's got yeah, he's he's yeah. he's the uh, the magical with a K hermit, yeah, living alone. And mm-hmm. I think that was very much intentional on Warren's part mm-hmm. to to transition from Alan Moore to this new meaning NU uh, take on uh, Hunter Thompson to bring his. Um, I don't want to call it cyberpunk, but it pretty much is. Yeah, it's it's right. It it's cyberpunk without that like dim. Most cyberpunk has this like dim apocalyptic like like feel to it, like dark feel, right? Where it's like th- that. That's one of the things I love about this book visually is that it is cyberpunk and it is a, a relatively just you know quasi dystopian future where most people barely getting by, but. It's still a bright, like the pages are full of bright visual sight gags. That's the like, ruse. Yeah. yeah. But that's like, that's more effective than like a lot of cyberpunk is just like the streets are dirty and filthy and there's smog in the right. air and like there's flickering lights and everything looks like an alleyway. So I, I like this approach more. Right. Ghost Rider 2099 is textbook cyberpunk <laughs> where I love that book. Why do you laugh? I know you do. I know you do. But, but, but this, this has the heart of the cyberpunk, but it presents it in a brightly colored wrapper. Yeah. It's just that you don't... Press the digitation. Obviously, you know, hollow druid, but it's one of those things where I don't necessarily... You're not wrong, but when I think of Ghost Rider 2099... Cyberpunk isn't the first thing that pops in my head. What is it? What what does? I mean, just the fact that it's Ghost Rider in twenty ninety nine. I don't. I, that yeah, wasn't. It's dark and gritty, yeah. and it, it you can feel the ink under mm-hmm. Bacello's fingernails when he's drawing it. This uh, the the line work in a Transmet is very controlled and very 
um, dense. There's mm. a lot of shit going on. Yeah, he puts in the work. Ashley Wood and Pacello would just do their expressionistic yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it's two totally different flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love that. Uh, I mean, because nowadays Derek Inks himself. Yeah. But here, whether he was young, whether it was um, an experience or wanting it to be polished or making sure it got out on time, because usually when you are starting out, not to say that this was his first work, but when you are starting out, it's, it, it's a big deal for to work at DC. You probably are going to want that helping hand. And when you have someone like the Giordano, hmm. um, and, and I mean... A master. Right. So, I mean, it, if you... If you look at uh, Space Bastards or his Wolverine run or the boys, this the bones are here. You can see that, yes, this is Derek Robertson, but um, it may look a little different than what you're yeah, used he's to. He's loosened up there. over the years. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. he has, yeah. yeah. But I really do, I love the fact that it is that it is Derek's work, but you know, seeing these, these early issues, because Rodney Ramos becomes the regular... Anchor usually about halfway through this first book, um, but I mean, and I I'm a huge mark for Jerome K. Moore. I love the man, love his Star Trek covers, love his uh, Green Arrow work. Uh, <laughs> fuck you. So mm-hmm. it's just it's it's to see him inking and the ink. There it was. It, it was neat to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be totally honest. There are some panels and splashes and spreads. Where it just boggled my mind that he did this on a monthly basis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, and it's hard in a spoken medium like this to convey. I mean, Vince will do a great job posting images. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there's a ton of awesome and I think poignant sight gags, right? I mean, all throughout all the stuff. You know, much like some of some. Like, I mean, I, I've never asked this of him when we've talked to him. But, like, after rereading this, I thought, oh, I wonder if Brandon Graham was vibing with this back in the day. Because, like... You know, Brandon's stuff visually is much more Spartan, but he loves the sight gag, right? Like, he cannot resist putting sight gags in every page. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But, like, I'd forgotten that there were so many just, like, things like that in this book. I think the sight gags are an insight into the creator's personality that you wouldn't get otherwise. Mm-hmm. It would be, um, it's, it's like saying, like telling this terrible, horrible tale. And as you're telling it, you're picking your nose. You know, like there, there's a weight to the message, but there's also something that makes you that humanizes mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. as a creator. I, I love the psych gags in, in Brandon Graham's work and in this, where uh, it just it adds to the world building, it adds to the overall environment in which these characters reside, and it's a it's a little knock on the door reminding you that these are human beings, fallible flawed human beings that are making this. So if Brandon Graham wants to put a character, you know, touching himself in the corner of a, of a page, do it mm-hmm. because that's part of the thought process, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Spider gets a job and he's required to complete a column. And as... Uh, 8,000 words, which is a long... That is. That's a long piece. But, but as, as spiders want to do, he waits for the inspiration to come and it does uh in the form of fred christ who's a leader of a transient rights group where they're transitioning from human 
or the goal is to transmission transition from human to alien, but one complete transfer has not been accomplished yet. So they're all walking around with half a human face and maybe half an alien face, or a quarter of their bodies are are uh, not of this world and the rest is human, and uh, they're all holed up in this uh, vicinity called Angels Eight District. And what they want is they they just want to pull out. They want to succeed, um, or secede, sorry, and become a sovereign uh, group. And as soon as Fred drops the succession bomb, that gets the attention of the powers that be, because we can't have a successful a group successfully removing themselves from the status quo. That would set a very bad precedent. So uh, there are back door or back room um, dealings going on where a member of the uh, Fred Christ group was paid off, or members were paid off to uh, stir up a little shit. And that's all the cops needed to yeah. uh, engage in a full-scale um, massacre. Mm-hmm. And Spider, he, he he knows it's coming, and he sees the signs, and and actually enters this Angels Eight uh, area and gets a bird's eye view when no one else could get in there. That's yeah. his thing. He seems to be right place, right time. But just not because he's lucky, but because like Warren Ellis, he knows where these things. He he could extrapolate based on the events where the stuff is going to go. Yeah. Right, He's a very well, he, good judge of of, of uh, humanity. Right, which is, I think, Warren sort of channeling himself. Right, I mean, that's, yeah. that's what we were just saying. That's one of his skills. But, but uh, you, I mean, you should mention that that Spider takes this journey because he has a prior relationship with 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 right. With Christ. They're He's, friends. Or they they were, were they were friends when the dude before the dude was an alien transient, and he was just a club basically a club promoter. Yeah, and, uh, and, yeah. and the thing about Fred is he can't keep his uh, little willy in yeah. his pants. Yeah, yeah. There's this scene, and it's like that's the thing. There's like these subtle things because, I mean, I like that this book basically there's no one above repro- beyond reproach. You know, even I mean, obviously Spider Jerusalem is a, a flawed character too, but like. When you first meet Christ, you, you, you know, they, you would have, it's conveyed that he thinks he's on the righteous path, like, right? Even though Spider's like, I don't know. But before he goes to meet him, right, he sees the woman huddling in the alley. Basically, she's destitute and she's, you know, looking like a homeless woman and she's hugging a baby. And the baby is, is, is Fred Christ. One of many. Right, one of many illegitimate children. So, like, this dude's a total piece of shit. Like, he's, he's basically a cult leader. I mean, he's, you know, his cult leader yeah. sees, you know, getting people to follow him, and then he's you know fucking them and using them, and 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 building up a mess, almost a messianic type of uh, complex. But uh, but Jerusalem like sees through it like immediately, immediately, you know. Yeah. And the dude's like, I thought because he was like, Hey, I want to interview you for my column, and he's like, Oh yeah, we go back, let's do it. And then you know quickly, and he's like, I thought this was gonna be a friendly interview, and he's like, well, Yeah, I thought it was gonna be too until this, 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 and this, and I you know basically listing off all the reasons the guy's a fuckstick. And uh, and decides to move on, you know, and 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 really start eviscerating him. So, and then he's like you said, he sees that he's going to have the that things are going to get pretty pretty wonky, and so he he rolls out and finds a spot at the roof to to dictate. Well, that's the thing. Um, Civic Center uh, has a bird's eye view on the massacre because they instigated it um, with their the 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 changing of um, money. 
uh, hands. And uh, but Spider has a bird's eye view too. He he barges into a strip joint. It, I think it's a key event in the first arc uh, because uh, we didn't know it as we were reading it as it was coming out. But one of the strippers, uh, Shannon, is a journalism student student, and she strips to put herself through journalism school. And you, you, you said a couple seconds ago that no one in this is above reproach or beyond reproach. I think Shannon is. That's interesting. Go on, because I don't, I don't agree. But go on. She, well, when we get into it, she's extremely honest to the point where her honesty, willingly given to another person, was turned back on her, used against her, used as a weapon, um, from some uh, another piece of shit. Who who uh, gained her trust and her affection, and just used her as a, a cum dumpster? Yeah, I I mean you're right about that, but I mean I I find her I mean she's a, when I say beyond reproach, I meant everybody's flawed, and you see their flaws. She's a very flawed person. She's insecure. She's she's like you said, she's in a long term relationship with a guy that she admits readily that she knows he he's vapid and doesn't love her. But she can't stop herself. So, like, I mean, that's that's not that's not a, that is not a picture of a of a of a strong, uh, independent woman. That's a picture of a relatively, I think, uh, cliched uh, person who's you know who's trapped in this cycle of of, of relationship after relationship, looking for something that but they we know don't isn't know there. that though. She admits it. She in the middle of the first arc, she admits to Spider because he's like, I don't like the guy when they meet. That's the, the scene I want to talk about. Oh, but yeah. no, we don't know that she's. This is a pattern with her that she falls in love with guys that do her dirty. We only well, regardless see this of that though. I mean, okay, fair enough. But regardless of that, like she readily admits that she's in a relationship for all the wrong reasons. Like sure. she, she's it's a classic trope of of the, the like she's dating a bad boy. She knows she should. She's dating a fuck boy, and she knows that she shouldn't be, and yet she can't stop herself. Like so, I don't. I mean, because I, I she's think following that is, her feelings. She loves the guy. But she loves the guy. She's self-sabotaging. She loves the guy, knowing that it's not going to end well for her, which I think is both cliched and and grounded in reality. But I think that's worthy of that's criticism. Like a a per, like people like as you go on your journey in life, you need to hopefully find the the self understanding to find a partner who is fulfilling to you on all the things you need. And she's she's actively she's actively with someone she knows isn't going to give her what she needs. Right. And that's other than a good probably sixty percent of the people on the planet. Right. Yeah. But most people aren't above to reproach. Well see I don't I don't know where the beyond reproach comes in. She's human. Right. She, humans are fallible. Humans are are worthy of criticism. Like that's my point. Like 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 there's there's no there's no pillars of virtue in these in this book as there are often in comics where we're like they're, compl- they're we only see the one side of them. And they're completely admirable. Like she's not an admirable person. She doesn't really have her life in order. She's fighting too, and that's cool. But like she she's fucked up. She's got issues. So like and that's fine. Like that she's not a bad person. Like bad person doesn't mean that she's bad. It means that she's flawed. And I like that we see. The flaws in everybody. I don't necessarily agree with your assessment of her, but we'll 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 keep it there for now. Sure, uh, because I think she she like Spider. She's a, a very honest person to a fault, detrimental to her person as that is. Like she she revealed all of her self to this guy. Knowing, and I love the the line. I'm going to paraphrase that. Whenever they were intimate, 
she would feel like she was staring into the abyss. Yeah. Where he just wasn't returning any kind of emotion at all. Mm -hmm. And she prostitutes, in a sense, herself Mm -hmm. to further herself in life. Yeah. Um, She takes Spider's verbal abuse willingly, knowing that the experience of being with someone as accomplished as he, as, as nasty ass as he is would probably be a good thing for her in the long run. Mm-hmm. But the thing that gets me is that um, he really gives her a tongue lashing over and over and over again about the boyfriend. For sure. And the one time where she's pretty much at the bottom, uh, she just lets him have it because he goes too far. I think he, he traipsed far Kicked her when the, she was down, yeah. Yeah, he traipsed far mm-hmm. over the line. And the thing about Spider is, I, I don't remember, I, I didn't make a, a a listing of how many times Spider actually shows genuine human emotion in this series. That's the one scene that he does. Mm-hmm. Because you realize that he wounded her. Not mortally, but he hurt her pretty bad. And he uh, doubles back. He actually apologizes. That doesn't happen often in the in this series. So I wanted to kind of dovetail into the relatively current uh, developments with, with Sir Warren Ellis <laughs> in terms of his dealings with women mm-hmm. um, and the honest-to-God heartfelt emotion that's on display when a man realizes, uh, a, 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 some would say a, a shithole of a man realizes, but a brilliant man nonetheless, realizes that he has pierced the veil or the the membrane of this this woman and wounded her and he has actual remorse for doing it. Mm-hmm. That is a little bit of insight, I think, into Ellis's character. Where if women were just playthings, you would see that perpetuated throughout the series, right? Where women were just used, abused, cast off, um, manipulated for what they could, you know, what they were worth, and then discarded. That's not what's happening in this scene. There's mm-hmm. there's a there's a um, a willingness to admit that yeah I messed up real bad I I hurt you I wounded you and from coming from Spider a person that has armor on all the time that's a big step and I think when you compare that to what happened where he Warren was alleged accused of allegedly what grooming women mm-hmm. or, it it doesn't seem like it came from the same character. Mm-hmm. The the origin doesn't make sense. I may be reading into it. Yeah. I, don't I mean, know. It, it's a tricky thing. I, obviously, we have to tread carefully here because it's a very sensitive subject for some people. But um, I don't know, man. Like, I don't. I don't really. I guess I. I have trouble making the connection. Like, I. I, I definitely understand wanting to because it is interesting rereading this, knowing what we know now about Warren, and you know, like. The term canceled, like, so overused now. I don't know if more. I have no idea if Warren Ellis is canceled or not. The only time will tell. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like a lot of the comic dudes that got in trouble around that time are legit canceled. <laughs> like, they're, we don't, I'm not going to list their names, but we can think of a bunch that we have heard hide nor hair of since then. And, yes. I mean, some were obvious because they were like creeps, but some of the people that were more like accused of like, you know, the, the, the grooming or like the non, like, Violent or predi- like purely predatory stuff, or canceled at AF at least as far as I can tell. Anyway, yeah. but we're getting a but 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 I will say like you said something at the start of this where you were like, well, 
in the scene he showed remorse for being nasty to her. That doesn't, that's hard for me to make a connection to anything like, oh, maybe he's not a bad guy because, I mean, how many abusive, like physically abusive men then apologize and hug their, their people they abuse and say, I'm so sorry. I, I'll never do it again. I, 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 you know, I lost my mind. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'll, you know, like that, like that's a classic pattern of abuse is abuse, 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 and then apologize and then abuse, abuse, abuse. And like, and, and so many people, and I, I was going to say women, it's not just women, but it's been primarily women in our culture stick around because they, they either don't feel like they can leave and, and they, they continue to want to believe the apology until the next time their heart is broken because so like, you know, just because one moment she's like flipping out and he's like, my bad, I really overstepped. Like he's still a shitball to her. Like, and, 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 and like a shitball to everybody. Yeah. But, but I'm saying, so like, I don't, I don't like the fact that he was capable of a moment of, of, of remorse doesn't to me speak to. Like oh Warren Ellis is is full of is capable of like understanding a woman's needs like he he portrayed a dickhead like boss to like have a moment of an apology but he didn't stop being a dickhead boss like literally like the next the next issue he's like she's in the middle of like of 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 complaining about something with her life and he's like go get me three hundred fifty eyeballs from this from like across town and I want to eat like like he's he's got no time for it like he and has he is zero totally time s- he's self centered on himself because yeah he, he, he's like they're turning me into television right and, and so like yeah and 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 then like I'd also say too and again this is where it's like tricky to tread because I, I wasn't there I, I've I read all the the public accusers views of what happened I read his very I thought lawyered up response to it i'm not saying this one sequence validates no, I know, but what, what i'm saying did. is like and, and the, where i struggle is like is that you know like you said he was accused of grooming and i have no idea like like that's just and that has nothing to do with what we see in this book right like which is to say that like the only like i find that more interesting on that front that like spider is spider is not like dicking everything and like he's not banging her at least at least <laughs> he's trying he's though tr- well, but he's not like he's not a creep to her in that no, regard. Not. Like, no, he, never to her. You know, and yeah. then even with even with like he asks so many women out in this book, and they all neg him. But he's not like predatory about no, it. He's, no, he's like he's like, he's, know, he's like a schlep. Like he's he's he, like in a way he's almost like an incel. Like if, like he's expecting them to say no. He's just yeah, like like, like he, has, here, he hasn't right. had sex in years, and he and he and he's, <laughs> he's desperate to have sex, and he asks everyone. But he asks him out like in a polite way. He's yes, never like hey baby. Yeah, he's he's never like let's do it. He's like hey, can I take you out to dinner? Like which is a pretty gentlemanly approach right, to right. it, and they're always like, "No," and he's no. like, "Okay, cool." Like yeah. he's never like, "You sure, baby?" Like no. you know who I am. He's like, like if he was no a groomer would be like, "Do you yes. know who I am, Spider?" And he never plays the celebrity. That's part. the thing. Right. So that's what I thought was fascinating because like because this would be a character you could easily have pivoted to. He's like believing his own shit. Now the core of this character is that he hates being a celebrity. He so, insecure himself. Right. One would argue that if you hate being a celebrity, you wouldn't be prone to grooming because you wouldn't want to throw around like, look at me, I'm this famous guy. So I think as it would be disingenuous the way we're he portrays Spider to suddenly be a dude who's trying to bed people on his name and fame. So I like that he doesn't. But like that is not like – Spider's not a groomer I guess is what I'm saying. Like you know, at least in, in terms of these first 10 issues certainly we don't, we don't see – like we don't see him doing that. See, what, what they call grooming now – when I was a teen, we called playing the field, and and the things that have changed. No, that's not true, man. Like that's not true, dude. Like like you're that that like like again like like we have to be real specific here because like like well, Warren Ellis was accused of promising women, hiring them sometimes, or promising them access to things they couldn't get, and then pursuing them romantically. Right now, that's that not playing right. the field. Playing the field is going to a bar a lot and trying to bring pick up a different person every couple nights. That's playing the field, being single and not wanting to commit. Like that's okay. playing the field. Yeah. 
You know, grooming is when you have a position of power or influence and use that position of power or influence knowingly or subconsciously to elicit romantic or sexual rewards. Yeah. yeah. So like, you know, I do think like grooming is very real. Like we were just not to get off on a tangent, but, but as you know, I just watched the, the first season of the morning show finally because my wife was like begging me to watch so it. So good. And I know you've both seen it and I know you really enjoyed it, Vince, and I know you did that. You know, that's grooming, right? Like, 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 yeah. like. Disastrous But grooming, I mean, yeah. you know, that, and, and obviously that was based on Matt Lauer. It was very much pulled from the headlines, but, but that's grooming. Like, we're, we're because, because, um, uh, Steve Carell plays that character. Steve Carell, for, for a lot of the first season, genuinely thinks he did nothing wrong. Right. Like, he thinks he's been unfairly railroaded and canceled and that he was just a dude who, at his worst, only quote unquote committed infidelity. Yeah. But he was just a normal, nice dude who liked, who was charming. These women did it on and, their own free and will. It was their choice, and it he was, never forced yeah. them. Yeah. And he is completely incapable of understanding his not only his own culpability, but that grooming is a real thing. Yeah. And I thought the best thing about that season, because I think season two is a pretty different season on a lot of it levels, is. It is. Um, was how effective the whole aspect of it of seeing what this Me Too stuff is from all the angles. And I love that we see it from his angle where he's like, he feels like the victim. And even to the point where like he asks his most egregious victim who like in her mind was essentially raped. He asks her like, Hey, you know, I never really got, got, I wasn't mad at you for you for leveraging that night into getting a promotion. You know, can you do me this solid now? Like she owed him a favor, you know? And it's like, so like, that's what to me, I bring up it because that's what Warren Ellis was accused of. Like, and and so Warren Ellis's response, which again a lot of people took real offense to, was in essence like I didn't do anything wrong. Like he he did one of those I'm sorry you're upset. He didn't do a, I'm sorry for what I did. He right. did a listen. I'm just out here living my life. Like I'm sorry it upsets you, and uh, maybe I'm just you know from another generation and I need to learn better. It's like nah, dude. Like that's not like you you you're not you're not accepting your right. culpability here. And if you don't think you did anything wrong, well, that's his own path. But like he's not going to win back comics fans and, and comic publishers taking the stance of like, I'm sorry you got offended by yeah. my behavior. And that's really he so that's he was accused of doing what Steve Carell basically did in, in, in Morning Show if people haven't read this. So Do I not know what string to pull? <laughs> right. Well listen, I mean I always it's get Geppetto. I always get sensitive about this stuff because sure. we're three forty and fifty year old white dudes yeah. Yeah. and it's real easy for us to unintentionally sound like we're taking and a position that we don't know what the hell we're talking about. This is a, right, right. This is pretty much, not quite word for word, but it is similar to what, because on the right here, I said, you know, this is the book of the month. I says, I don't know. I says, I doubt it. I says, it'd be great if, you know, we just kept two between <laughs> the covers. I says, but because this is Warren Ellis and... The character of Spider Jerusalem, I says, we're probably going to go in other areas. And I says, but we are, I says, it, it needs to be kept in mind that we are three middle-aged white dudes, heterosexual males married, and, and not that that matters, but it, it's, you know. No, but it does shape our worldview. Right. Yeah. And and so, and what I was saying on the Slack when, when Vince was talking about the book was that I, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying, Jason. Mm-hmm. I do also, though feel that it is a generational thing. Like, I'm not... The oh, others, yeah. The others that we didn't mention, they were probably closer in age to the women that they were mm-hmm. going after. Warren, I would think, if you're a suicide girl and you see someone like Warren Ellis, he's probably like, you know, your dad's older brother 
or maybe even your grandfather to a certain degree. But I'm like, he, he's an older dude who probably, again, it doesn't excuse it. I'm not trying to defend yeah, that guy, yeah. but it is definitely, I don't, it's still a shitty thing. Yes, there yeah. are. I mean, you you did a shitty thing. It may not be as shitty as some of these right. other guys, but it was still a shitty thing. And yeah. you're, I mean, and again, I mean, we've had many conversations on this on the Slack and amongst our friends. I mean, there are gradients, and I think there was a time like when the Matt Lauer stuff was happening and the Weinstein stuff where because of the magnitude of what was going on and also the fact that we really were talking about centuries of, of a, of a male behavior that there was like, there was no room for this idea of like, Oh, they're overreacting to this particular case. And in fact, we had, we got a little unintentional hot water on this very topic about this very creator in our Slack because there was a narrative of people trying to say, like, well, let's look at each case individually and, like, accept that not every situation is the same. Right. And I'm with you. Like, I think enough time has passed and we've seen enough repercussions of lots of things, whether it be the Aziz Ansari thing or the um, the Chris Hardwick thing, right, where those guys pretty much have fully been, like, welcomed back into the fold. And mm-hmm. um, I think we can now safely say that, like, we are past the point where we have to just – every time someone is – accuse of something they're gone forever right right yeah. i think where we have to always stay is that we believe the accuser yep we don't look to presume that they're full of shit right and you know if they're proven otherwise it is what it is i'm not saying everyone is always going to tell the truth or a fake account but we need to presume the accuser's right and then we really need to understand that like the idea of like well he's from another generation is that's bullshit right like that's the same thing we say about our grandparents because right. they're racist oh yeah 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 oh, right yeah, like it's yeah. like yeah cool but i'm not colorful. racist but like i grew up like because you learn right like yeah. so, and and so yeah like and, and more to the point here, I don't know that I don't know this situation. I don't. I have no idea about what Warren Ellis is like as a human being. I have no idea if, in the sliding scale of all this stuff, he's very marginally over the line, or he's like I don't know that, and only he and his the women that he was involved with know that, and probably will ever know that. And like, I'm not sure for the sake of all of this, it matters. I mean, you know, we've talked about this a couple months ago. We talked about. The idea of uh, can you separate art from the artist, and we're always like it depends. Like, mm-hmm. and we've used a lot of examples. Yes. Like sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. Yep. And I know with you, like Warren Ellis, you love. I mean, that's your, one of your dudes, like your top dudes. Like, so it's like you know, am I going to never read another Warren Ellis comic? No, I'll read more Warren Ellis comics. Right. Like, if if someone's going to publish them, like I'll, I'll read them. Like he's a fantastic writer, and this book is is one of many examples of like you know a like a plus caliber work that he's put into the ether for us to enjoy. So like. You know, he hasn't crossed that line with me, but I totally get if some of our listeners are like, 100%. fuck this, I'm not listening to yep. a book of the month about Warren Ellis. I get it. Like, like you do you. Like, I'm not saying you're wrong for that either, but you know, I don't, I hope people aren't going to be offended about us doing a book of the month on Warren Ellis. Like, I, I don't, no. I don't feel no. his situation is enough that we should act like he doesn't exist. There are creators who have crossed that line for yes. me that I don't, I would want one of them to talk about. Right. But he's not one of them. Sure. So. Hi. What's up? The part of this that I struggle with is the the whole cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Is that if if you, um, I have a ranking in my brain, mm. and if you have accomplished feats of grandeur in the past, um, let's just say David Bowie. Thank you. Um, you, you know that that I consider nothing above art. I, I live and breathe for art. And so uh, the, those that I consider um, the, the creators of what I also deem the best art, they almost get a free pass for me. 
Like if if David Bowie was ever um, discovered to have been a groomer or have manipulated people uh, in regard to his prominence in the music industry, I would probably say, uh, part of me would probably say, eh, that's how it goes. You know, um, you know, Ziggy Stardust. When you make uh, when you record an album, not only one but but many albums that that will go down in history as some of the best recorded music ever. Yeah, you know what's a few human lives in the, <laughs> in, in in the wake of that. But then, as a feeling human right. being, I'm thinking: is one human one broken human life worth Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars? Mm-hmm. That that's my yeah. struggle. Right. Where I, I want to just say, ah, the boys will be boys, and and I know that's that's yeah. grandpa talking. Mm-hmm. That's not how we see things anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, human life has value, and and the the pain and and distress and all the whole laundry list of the, the things that these people experience when groomed, which is a, a form of subjugation, right? When groomed by these people. Is that fair value for the magnificence of their art? And because art lives forever, these people are going to expire. And their story will be gone. But the art survives. But I, I can't think like that, right? Because I, I don't... There's a huge part of me. The majority of my, my mindscape thinks that, no, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Because yes, Warren Ellis created one of the landmarks of of, of sequential art in, in in Transmet, conceptually, visually, with help from his creative crew. Yeah, but it's not. If put on the scales, the weight of the the wrongdoing to that human soul would be much heavier. Mm-hmm. I'm learning. To come around. If you asked me this question 20 years ago, I'd be like, fuck them. They shouldn't have put themselves sure. in that position. Sure, sure. I can't think like that anymore. No, I mean, listen, we're all on a journey. I mean, I yeah. think, I mean, we like, we, and again, it's about, it is about, you just said it. it's about learning, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, can't stay ignorant. You, that's the thing. You, you, as long as you're willing to accept that, that your view or the view that we've held as status quo is, is not right or certainly not the, the shared by a lot of other people, like, that's all you can ask. Mm-hmm. And, and there's nothing. We don't all have to be in 100% agreement with each of these cases, too. I mean, you sure, know, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Like, that's totally fine, too. There's no reason that we have to all be like, you know. Um, and, and, I mean, again, since we're talking about it, like, I, and I'm not going to get into the specifics, but there have been times where I've thought people were, like, like overtly, like, too quickly canceled. Yes. You know, there was a, a creator that we're friendly with that, um, that had, uh, you know, like there was a Twitter feed unrelated to him and a person he had collaborated with had posted something sort of indicating that maybe he wasn't the greatest partner. And I mean, it was like effigy. I mean, thousands of people basically wanted this guy to die, yeah. you know? And, uh, and as it turned out, it was a complete misunderstanding. Yeah. And the dude who, who was basically assailed by the public for two days, uh, was completely in the right and had done nothing wrong. And, uh, but he can't take that back. And like, it really, it really upset him as I think it would. So, you know, so, we may have gotten a bit distracted. A little bit. A poquito. But, for just cause. Yeah, I mean, sometimes when we talk about a book of the month, it's just like a straight 
here's what happened to each issue, and this is fun. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I don't think anybody wants to hear that. No, no, and sometimes it's a, it's a, you know, more of a freeform conversation. And but I mean, you know, in this case, I just think it's because of the subject matter, it's impossible not to to address the elephant in the room. Right? Yeah, I'm beginning to value human. Uh, I'm, I'm, I value the human soul more than art. Which is a really big step for me. Which is interesting because... I'd be like, you kill a thousand people and you produce the Mona Lisa? Fuck it, it was worth it. It's the Mona Lisa. Yeah. I'm I'm learning that that, um, it may not be the best course. There's something about Transmit that I think is interesting in that uh, that he... he, And and I'm talking a little bit too beyond this 10 issues that we read for this. But, like, he he eviscerates, like, every institution. Yeah. Yeah. Like, summarily. He goes 320 and kind of destroys it. (laughs) Um, The one he doesn't really eviscerate and he treats with great respect is the idea of the journalist. Yes. Right? And and I find that interesting because I do think that on so many levels, if you read this today and it's your first time, you're going to... You know, you're going to see the president as Trump, right? Even though this was way before Trump. Oh, the smi- yeah. but the thing is, we don't even get we get a mention of the Smiler in this first twelve issues, but we don't really get no, hundred percent, yeah, full blown Smiler, but, right? You're, but I mean, you're, you're going to see like you're going to you're going to make the, it's easy to make the comparisons, but the thing I think that is different is that at least when he wrote this, I don't know if his views have changed. Warren seemed to share a belief in the the fourth estate that like it it like back then that's what i mean sure. that it is that it is a it is like the one last pillar of truth and um and, and is and is worthy of of like exaltation and that is what as i'm reading it now i'm like ah oh, yeah i'm like and i totally it makes sense for him to have that perspective particularly given the narrative of the story and the character that's the lead character but i'm like yeah that's where I would struggle if someone says, oh, my God, this is like, look, reading about today. And I'm like, it's not really like today because I think at the heart of today's issues are that we just have no boundaries anymore for what is truth in journalism. There is no truth. Right. And, and But in this world, there is. Like, in, like to your point, I mean, because we, we've gone off a lot of tangents, but like on the narrative front, when he's watching the riot, he's watching the riot and he's dictating it live. He's live, basically live blogging it before there were blogs, but he's live blogging it. And then, and then the police get up and leave. They just stop with it. You know, they're really beating people to death, shooting people and they just leave. And then he's talking to his editor and he's like, Oh, they just left. And then I was like, yeah, cause of you, like we, we took your feed and we put it live on the major network and we sold it out and everyone was seeing it. And people reacted with such vitriol to city center. They called off the, the dogs. And like, that is at the core here where he, in his world, this gonzo journalism like is worth it because it does yield great change and result. And and throughout the book, beyond this ten issues, as you know, I mean, he takes down two presidents. He takes, I mean, like he he has a lot of success in the truth destroying these institutions that are corrupt, mightier than the sword. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, if Spider was perched atop the strip joint, live feeding this information you would inevitably fake news manipulated right true. uh i what's i forget the call sign but the bigger one the big like the k whatever the comp the the big media company that sp yeah the, the SPK. SPK. they'd be yeah. they'd be right they'd be live blogging and showing fake mock they'd be showing like like uh like deep fake videos that, that right. nothing was happening right, right? that's right. that's people the, sitting around and and under umbrellas sipping on mai tais or something when in 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 the fact is that people were getting killed. I mean, think about we're not even a decade removed from major, like, like Pulitzer level 
journalists at places like the New York Times and major you know anchor news networks getting fired for small lies about yeah. their past. I mean, yeah. a decimal be, point. Being in an air, being yeah. in a helicopter at a war site right. instead yep. of just right. watching it. Lying about where they went to college. Yep. I mean, literally, like those those smallest violations of their veracity were enough for them their careers to be over. They need to get back to that. No, yes. we're never going to, unfortunately. But ne- I wouldn't say never. Oh, I would say never. So it's all downhill from here. The experiment has failed. Well, I don't, it depend, I mean, if you define the experiment as being truth in in journalism, I I don't think I don't know how you ever because we've democratized the ability to share news and viewpoints right mm-hmm. so that's the problem is you uh if you know whoever i don't know i i don't know who the new like brian williams is because I, I don't watch yeah, anchor news but whoever the whoever the new top news guy when he says something on cbs there's literally twenty thousand people instantly retweeting that with their own interpretation either calling it bullshit right. or calling it truth and so and then we have this soul this sort of demographic. i think there always was that but not with the accessibility of social media. No, that's what I mean. Those voices were never heard. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they were like, it was such a small, like, it would be the people that would read the National Enquirer. Right. You know, and and you would would laugh and someone's like, you read the National Enquirer? And it'd be like, you know, that's like, and be like, oh, I know, it's guilty pleasure. But now like half the, half the internet is the the National Enquirer. I think the, the, all of, most of media is the National Enquirer now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think we can get back to the the place when journalism actually meant something. Uh, remember when Rolling Stone was a bastion of journalistic integrity? Yeah, yeah. they exposed things. I mean, Jan, they, they I think they did the best work during the steroid scandal. They yeah. did the best work, and they did the best work work in sport, in baseball, and they did the best work on during the financial crisis on Goldman Sachs. Yes. I mean, they came up with the idea of the vampire squid. I mean, we in our industry still call them vampire squid because that. But like, they that was like incredible investigative journalism. Sure, you know, yeah. All the president's men. Can we ever have that again? Not as not if we have cable news with the hosts being celebrities. We're yeah. Oh, it's opinions. definitely a, a case of the the mouthpiece not, being. Yeah. I still think there are people. Right. right. I think there still right. are people doing legitimate. Investigative journalism, where they show their fact, like, yeah. but, but, like you said, that you said it best. I mean, but there's just there is now a machine in place on all sides. Yep. Not this is not just a, yep. a oh, left yeah. versus right thing. To there's an anti, there is an anti messaging, yeah. and it's literally a machine where the, I mean, it's it's a spin machine where the second news they, breaks that even if it is fully fact, like. It's all right. How can we spin this? Let's yeah. and then let's. Sometimes it's let's throw twenty other things into the, the news same cycle. Phrases, the same yeah. terms, or or let's throw every- something else into the news cycle so that it. But but like it's an actual science yes. now. Right. Oh, yeah. But I I think someone will realize that a media outlet that prides themselves on no spin on the truth will be able to generate m- enough money. Where they say, okay, this but is... But I mean, they're like Reuters and, and Al Jazeera, and like, like ProPublica, like, like there, there are sites that just, and, and they don't get the eyeballs because it's just facts. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's boring. Here's what happened. It's boring, right? It's, it's just like, text on it's the like, screen. Oh, here, well, you need somebody it's, it's in like, power that champions... But then that's system. the problem, right. though. Then you have that person's opinion or that person's spin on it. No one is just report Like David... Renee likes watching ABC News at night because David and you are just like, this is it. This, I'm reporting this. Even if you watch the local news... The newscasters are going to like you know smile or smirk or wink 
when it, oh, and, and it's, depending they might not, on their affiliate, yeah, they twist it. But they might not. I mean, they're not going to like tell you their politics, but they definitely let you know when you can tell yeah. when they're happy to report something. That's an interesting. Yeah, that, that's the interesting thing too. Like, like about uh, uh, like as I read this, I'm like, well, the whole I mean, as we said in the beginning, like it it reads to me like you know lambasting all these conservative things but like i think that's really more my view because like really just lambaste things like mm-hmm. lambaste institutions like like i don't know that now that i'm thinking back on it, like it's we don't tackle too many issues specifically that would be viewed as like progressive versus conservative in this like he just thinks like the institutions yeah. are corrupt which right. which is a different i mean that is a different perspective to have than the one side is fucked up, right? Like, like his is like the whole thing is just like, like a yeah. Politics machine. in general are fucked up, but not, not just politics, like right corporate, politics. you know, corporate and then religion. I mean, you know, because because through these ten issues, right? I mean, I, I think the cool thing about even though the series goes on for many years beyond this, and it's very good throughout, you know, he 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 beats the shit out of the president, right? In this, like he the first president, he he eviscerates. Uh, Organized religion, like you know, that's my favorite. And even part. even oh. unorganized religions. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to make a point to read that one page. So, yeah, but keep going. No, he 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 eviscerates the idea of uh, you know, uh, and again, this is pre this is pre social media. He eviscerates this idea of these uh, conclaves of uh, reservations. I forget what they call them. The reservations, which are basically conclaves of like little pockets of society where people just live a life they want to live, absent what's going on around them you know so he he like he just kind of tackles each thing like like escapism corporate america uh or corp not corporate america but corporations uh politics religion like he just goes through each institution i think and and you, you get a, a real taste of that throughout these first 10 issues and then as the series goes on there's there's different arcs that tackle them in in more direct ways but but uh i mean to me I, just, just like you vince being being not religious i i i found the the part where he goes and and basically takes task to all of the startup religions and the context there is so he's writing this column and he always has come up with ideas and and in in this particular case he heard a blurb because he's getting like he's add too that's the other thing like like he he's like he's 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 his brain is addled i mean when he gets back to the city he tells the machines like hey put put like 25 second loop on you know news so basically he's getting fed different inputs every 20 30 seconds and until he finds stuff that appeals to him he hears someone say something to the effect of uh that um that like a, a new religion is is created every what like like a few minutes or yeah. I, I forget what he's but it was very frequently and he so he's like that's a story there and he goes and he starts uh meeting with some of these leaders of these of these new religions and uh and of course they're farcical and many many levels and, and ridiculous and uh you know, and but not too far from the truth. No, and that's the thing, right? It's like um, I was reminded of I had a, a, a friend. We, we have friends that no longer live here, but they were uh, they used to when they were here. You know, we were close with them, and, and they're, they're Mormon. You know, and and uh, you know, someone had said sometime like, "Oh, you know, great people, but like Mormon is great, like super super crazy." You know, like it's super crazy. And like again, I'm not gonna like. I'm sure plenty of our listeners are spiritual people. Like, I'm not going to admonish. Like, you believe what you want to believe, but like, I did push back and said, "Listen, I don't profess to be an expert on on Mormonism, but like, I think you know, as someone who was raised Christian, like, is it really that different? 
right? Like, like you have issues because of like they believe that like dude comes to the U.S. you know and like starts you know is like has the hand of God. I'm like you're you know as a Catholic you believe that there's a man in Italy that literally has like a direct connect with with God. It's got I the mean, bad phone. Right. I mean, like, is it any, I mean, is there really any difference? The only difference is that you, your, your mania, your unsubstantiated, impossible to substantiate viewpoint is just shared by a lot more people. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, they're like, like, there's still absurdity in it. Like, yeah. there's absurdity in any, in any belief system. So, so just so you get the lowdown on the, uh, the narrative voice that pervades Transmetropolitan. The splash page for the religious, mm-hmm. uh, the religion skewing issue. Mm-hmm. Spider's doing what he does, whacking away at the keyboard. He has a, um, a tinfoil halo fashioned, and he's got the, 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 the pseudo vestments and the, the Air Jesus sneakers on. <laughs> and he says, so this zealot comes to my door, all glazed eyes and clean reproductive organs, asking me if I ever think about God. So I tell him, I killed God. I tracked God down like a rabid dog, hacked off his legs with a hedge trimmer, raped him with a corn cob, and boiled off his corpse in an acid bath. So he pulls an alternating current taser on me and tells me that the only official Serbian church of Tesla can save my polyphase intrinsic electric field, known to non-engineers as the soul. So I hit him. What would you do? Like that is the constant, unwavering voice of transmetropolitan. Mm. It is taking these established entities and knocking the piss out of them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about this book, especially the religious slant, because that is one of my favorite things to do. Am I evil? Mm. Yes, I am. Maybe. I- but I just like it when someone knocks their gods down a few pegs. Sure. Mm-hmm. And gods meaning celebrity, politician, media, uh, religious. And they wait now. Kill it's your like, gods. Your God kill your idols. You got, you got supposed to be almighty. He's supposed to be able to take it. You're the one getting all yeah, that out of shape. If it's God's will, I mean, God's will, if you really believe in that, then like, then he wants us to criticize right. him, right? Like, like, if you really believe in like, like him, then, then us criticizing him is the plan. That's right. part of the plan, right? So God's going to protect you from the COVID, but you need a gun to protect yourself? Right. What? Yeah. Right. <laughs> there we go. I love this. And, 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 and it, I do wonder if, I love John. But I do wonder if um, so you see the the writer is connected to Spider's Pinky. I wonder if like Warren described that, or if that's a Derek thing. I mean, that, interesting. That's the kind of shit that like mm-hmm. it's just it's it seems like when I think about Warren's writings and I think about his scripts, I think about how in detail they are, and if 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 he actually, I would love to see. Um, how this broke down in the relationship. I, I say it all the time, but I, I, I really am curious, especially when it's someone like Warren, because, yes, of course, he's written Planetary, he's, he's written Next Wave. I do wonder where he ends and Stuart or John or Derek begin. But as, yes, I often do too. But as far as the page is concerned, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Right. Yeah, that, right. that, that, that's yeah. me. I didn't mean to, to kill your flow. Oh, no, 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 no. no. I, I feel the same way, too. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of this was 
Mr. Allison, and and where's Derek's contribution? And, and the answer is all of it. Uh, yeah, that, that's it. Right. They, 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 it, they did beautiful work together. Yeah, I, I would pay good money for a, a prose yeah, investigation. Yeah. On, uh, just the, the whole creative process Love behind, behind the scenes on this. Yeah, but you wouldn't because you hate TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so Spider Live blogs the transient massacre. It's uh, successful in the in the way that the cops stop killing people and uh, retreat. Uh, the piece is very popular. A lot of eyes on it. Spider gets a new apartment. The word circulation rises thirty five percent. He gets a, a filthy assistant in the form of. Uh, Shannon Yarrow, the stripper come journalism student, come Spider's filthy assistant. Uh, but Spider also gets something else out of his newfound uh, celebrity. He gets the shit kicked out of him. Because, uh, yeah, you don't want to cross Civic Center. And they make that very, very clear in uh, sending their goons out to, uh, to take the wind out of them. Mm-hmm. But I-, I just can't get away from the... Uh, the Hunter S. Thompson, Spider, Jerusalem, correlation. There's one scene. The, the scene where Spider um, goes into the men's room mm-hmm. and the president's there, mm-hmm. that's very, very reminiscent of the scene where Bill Murray's talking to Nixon in Where the Buffalo Room. Yes. There's no bowel disruptor involved, mm-hmm. but the setup is the same. And I'm, I, 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 just, I had the, the warm and fuzzies thinking that Warren was tipping the old hat to... Uh, Bill Murray and I remember and seeing that movie, but I, I saw I saw it in the theater. In I know, I figured you would. I, I, I saw it on cable. Neil Young, I have this. The soundtrack's awesome. Um, just uh, was Bill Murray the best hunter? Uh, I think Johnny Depp was better. I figured you would. Yeah, mm-hmm. but whatever. Um, and but it, in conceptually, the president spouts shit. So Spider made the stuff literally pour out of his body by using the bowel disruptor. Like conceptually, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's there's a there's a, a poetic undercurrent to that that scene. But uh, I don't know how much more we can go into this without really ruining the reader's involvement. In it. I think the first arc is enough to compel you to read this or to. Uh, turn you totally away from it. Yeah, it's similar to to preacher. If you can get past the first trade in preacher, yeah, you kind of you, you kind of know. Mm-hmm. I think what you could expect for the rest of it. I think the last arc's a little bit of a breach of contract with preacher, but okay. okay. No, I mean, and I <laughs> yeah, I've, I was only reading it in trades, and I've only read like the first four or five, so I haven't mm-hmm. finished it. Yeah, um, but no, this this is abs- and yeah, I mean, it's over twenty years old. I, it's it's we're past spoiler territory if you think of things like that but it is it's it's something that I think yes you should it should be read it regardless of how you feel about Warren because this of course was written before and this is one of Mario's favorite if not like like very favorite like comics right it should be yeah yeah I value transmit far more than Sandman I know for a lot of people sure that, that I can't came speak up because I still haven't read Sandman but yeah it's Actually, I'll ask him tomorrow. Which one? Like, if 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 he if there was only room in the boat for one, yeah, which oh, would, would he pick? If preacher and Sandman or um, Sandman Trans- and Transmit for Mario? Oh no, I would kick Sandman. Oh, right you would? Mario. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, well, no, he's saying. But Mario, yeah, so. I, I want to ask Mario that. Tomorrow. That's a tough call. I, for him, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
the thing that really because I forgot about this uh, since I've read it twice uh, this third time the the concept of the buy bombs I think is brilliant which were the um, compressed mental time bombs mm-hmm. that one would have implanted by watching a commercial oh they yeah, were they were time yeah. release yeah. Yep. mental as as you go to bed yeah mental algorithms that would expand upon sleeping and then compel you to buy whatever product it was that you saw like that is not too far away from the truth of 100 percent. that's yeah. what i'm saying like i mean yeah it's like with with, with this short attention span these micro bursts of content and just being fed things over and over and over again and not being able to focus i mean it's all um and you can't escape it i mean no like you, it's it's uh it's crazy i mean and, and again i mean it's a thing where I, I know i've been pulled into the vortex but i feel like i still haven't gotten d- blinked out into the black hole but i worry about like you know, I'm mean, gonna sound like a curmudgeonly old man, but like I worry about like my kids, like oh no doubt, their brains are just wired differently, and it's yeah. not their there's nothing wrong, like it's not their fault, but like they just see the world differently, and I see it like they just can't sit still, like they like they, yeah. you know, it's it's like they just they 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 need their sensory, like I know we uh, Caleb posted a thing recently where like some study from Harvard saying you can't actually multitask. First of all, I say bullshit to that, Harvard or not, fuck, fuck yourself, Harvard. Crimson. I went there, but uh, but uh, but but that being said, like I see. You know, they, they always are doing multiple things, right? Like, like, but they're never, but I'm not sure, like, they're enjoying any of them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's like, that's the thing. Like, are you getting, like, you know, you want to get absorbed into something to the point where you're just, like, totally loving it, right? Yeah. You are, like, the patron saint of multitasking. I am. That's why I say that study's bullshit. You, you could bifurcate your brainwaves yeah. on a, there in, are, in a second. Also, I think, I mean, I, and again, I'm sure that there's except, but, like, uh, you know, for me, I, the work, like I am least effective when I'm working on one task with no, no other sensory perception. Like if if I'm if I'm doing a task, I at a minimum I need music on or talk radio or the TV in the background. I need other things kind of like dampening, and then I can like if that's just the way I want. I'm more. So I'm the anti Jason. Oh, in many ways, but you're. I can do one thing and one thing only <laughs> at a time. If I'm reading, no music, no television. I have to be. Sequestered alone. Oh. Yeah, yeah reading, I can't do it. reading. I tend to need Man, brutal sounds. Brutal. If I'm watching a movie, you're chopping broccoli in the kitchen. I will shut yeah. that shit down chopping while we're. I cannot stand. There's a Pavlovian thing because the only thing I can think of in my life in terms of consumption of stuff that fits that is movies. When I'm watching a movie. No phone, no. I'm You're watching in that reality. Okay. I'm watching the movie. Like if I'm the theater, I'm that person. That right, like, good. I, like if someone's oh, in someone, the theater, yeah. Oh, no, wait, I just so feel like in general, does like nachos even, qualify as a distraction? I mean, I there there in, in recent memory, can't eat the cheese, bro. The only two things that like, there are times where you used to though, where we'll, we'll be watching TV night around the weekends, and and she'll. Be playing solitaire or something, and which is fine. She's still aware, and, and she just needs, it's like a fidget thing. But um, the only two things in recent memory that I actually had to devote all my attention to the screen was watching Foundation. Oh, I knew it! I knew it. You you cannot split during Foundation and uh, and get back, the, the, which I haven't finished the third part yet. But, so, but I, I need to start. That, to your point, 
to your point, I I haven't watched the rest of Foundation yet. Not because I haven't. I've loved every bit. Just because of, you need to make sure you can. Because I need to focus on it. Yes. So like so much the last few weeks, I've been I've been whatever I've been quote unquote watching has been while I'm working on the laptop or whatever. And so it's got to be something that I can go back and forth and yeah. just sort of like yes. follow along. Like morning show. I mean, I I haven't. Yes. I, I can like I'm, yeah. I'm I would probably listen to half of it rather than watched half of yeah, it. Yeah, but the more intense parts you need to watch. For sure, yes. but then it draws you in and then I'm like, you know, and then I'll take, and I'll, but then I'm like, oh, man, you know, and yeah. then I'll go back. But yeah. I feel like I'm not missing anything there or like yes. sitcoms. I mean, during the pandemic, I've barreled through a ton of sitcoms that people said you have to watch and I'd never watched. And it's like, because to me, I can go in and out like Veep. I mean, I watched all of Veep in like a couple of weeks, but it was like, there's a pattern to it. You know, you don't like, I don't yep. feel like I have to stare and get yeah. lost in it. But with movies, got to get lost in it. Right. Got to do it. I had a laugh out loud moment. On the, the, on, on, on the oh. Slack, when Tomio was like, "Yeah, I watched that Get Back thing." He was like, "You can What's really, you can really tell that Paul and John loved each other." I'm like, "The fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> you were so young. Seriously, oh my God. I think he's like my age. I don't think he's you, that do young. you remember what, what what McCartney said when when asked his feelings on the the assassination of Lennon. McCartney said, "Yeah, it's a drag." <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks for going out there, Paul. I mean, putting it all out there. there. What, what, what I find interesting, I was talking to Flip about this. What, what I find interesting about Get Back is that I've always, I don't know what it was, but I always thought that Paul was, Paul had confidence. Or, you know, he, 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 was, he was the leader. And, and for this, and he for was letting pretty it be. Boy. But there are, I mean, he's like chewing his nails. He's fucking with his beard. It's like he's, so, there's like insecurity. He's sure. shy. There's, and it's like, when they're talking about finishing the album or where mm-hmm. they're going to do the live show, it's like he looks nervous. I'm like, and it, it's an amazing documentary. I'm glad it actually. I, I, I've avoided the the thread about it because I haven't watched it yet. It's, and it's I don't so get fascinating. Spoiled, but I wish I mean, not more. That, there were varying. You guys recommend it though? Hundred oh, percent. Yeah. There were varying degrees of hatred towards the end. I, I think Ringo, the least of all. Ringo didn't really. He's peace and love. Peace and love. And, but that, and that's the great part because because Linda was talking. To, Michael was the guy directing the documentary, and and Linda Eastman shows up. Early no, on. John, uh, George was the, the the least full of hatred because George. I think you're right. Spiritually, but, didn't but they were talking in it. about it. How how much how great it is when Ringo was around because he just he puts people at ease. And and every time the camera pans to Ringo, he is. He's in a good mood. He's he's happy. He's happy to be there. George, the camera focuses on George a Mm -hmm. lot. And there are times where you see George and you're wondering. Laser beam. What what, what the hell's going (laughs) on? He's thinking of what an asshole Eric Clapton is. (laughs) I would hope so, but I just, I was listening to the Beatles channel on on the ride up Mm -hmm. right after I got to the gate and they played Cloud Nine because before Cloud Nine they were talking about how it was um, it was live in Japan with George and Eric, and it was the last wait with his friend Eric Clapton, and it was the last tour friend mm-hmm. George was on. I'm your friend until but, I steal your woman. And even yeah. right, and even then, I mean, he Eric was mentioned once that I remember in, in documentary when they were just talking about people riffing. But yeah, I, mean, I uh, I've been avo- like I said, I've been avoiding the discussions on it because I, I don't want to get spoiled or like have anything sway me but but i have to say i was i was going to pick up jackson so i had howard stern on and you know stern is a as you probably know he, he's a humongous beatles fan he's had mccartney on a bunch in the last few years and you know given his age that shouldn't be surprising but but he was talking about the documentary and and uh and and he he like i just kind of turned it on when he was in the middle of it and he said that uh 
like he had this idea that you know watching the documentary he's like you know i was thinking a lot about you know i've talked to paul so many times and i've had the other guys and he said ringo and jordan he's like you know i've had them all on the show and we've gotten to talk he's like but i never really thought about the fact that like what the what if of you know how much a detriment it was for them that they made all that music without touring for those years because you know and you know he's he's like because the thing about he's like being a musician is the the studio time is a grind and you're on each other's asses and you get into this nerves and you're and it's like and then the joy of it is the performing and the going out and seeing the fans and the adulation and the thrill of the performance and they didn't have that and he's like you know you have to wonder like when you just spend years in the studio where all you do is get on each other's nerves and you don't have the release of like the enjoyment of performing you know he was like i wonder if they could have stayed together for a lot longer if they had 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 the on off again of like the touring and i was like that's interesting like i never really thought of it that way one way or the other you know i mean they just figured like they weren't well i i don't think from at least revolver up they could have played that stuff live yeah because of a, 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 a huge part of it was george martin yeah and and the tape manipulations and, yeah. and stuff. So it would have been very difficult for them. Right in today's day and age, you can do anything live now. You could, yeah, 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 A sequencer? Yeah. Or a, no, they wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. But I, we're we're distracted. It, is it also fair to say? I mean, it seems like he also was saying that it really does the fair or not the the, the documentary really makes Yoko Ono look like a pretty horrible person. Which again, maybe that's fair. I mean, maybe she is a horrible person. I I don't think she is. No, I didn't. I, 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 I was what I got, especially from the first part, was I mean she was right all up in it, John. Right? Like yeah. I mean, I, you couldn't turn any time the, the camera was on was John. She was true. right there. He was deeply infatuated with her, right? And and but the way it came across, just looking at it from the outside, I, I wasn't sure if that was John being overbearing, which I didn't think so. If it was Yoko being insecure or if, like jealous, like I don't want anybody else looking at my man. It's like there are no other women here. Mm-hmm. I mean, Linda shows up later on, but it's not like you know, no yeah, one's after and your she's man. Linda. <laughs> but but it's, I mean, it's, Paul's been unlucky in love a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Linda was not a bad person, uh, and I don't know if you can call her the love of his life. Maybe I don't know. I'm not Paul, but it just seems like it seemed like a mismatch from the get go. Where Yoko seemed tailor made for John, I think so, and vice versa. But she was well. John I mean, had a really, and again, I'm sure this is covered in the documentary. But I, I just know from being like, like John had a, but like a terrible, terrible childhood. Horrible. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I'm, I don't think it ended their childhoods. Okay, yeah. and uh, and you know, I know it's always been said. Uh, in fact, like my stepfather was always on this vibe because he was like like diehard John Lennon fan. Like weeping, I'm sure. Like many people, his like weeping when he was killed that day. Um, but he was always saying that like Yoko was like John's mom, like as much as like his right. like like he was like once he fell found her, she was like his everything, his yeah. shell, his shield. Like he just he basically like yeah. just folded up in That's her and let her like be like the like handle all the, the shit in the world. That he I, I love the story um, of their first meeting when she had a uh, he he went to a gallery showing of her work and there was a ladder. You've heard this. And she had something on the ceiling, and he and he he walked up the ladder, and he looked at it, and it said yes. He said, "And this is John. If it said no, I would have left. I would have just disregarded her. But it said yes. It said yes. And it's like, okay, that's all it took. <laughs> I think you were invested before you put one foot on that ladder. But whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no. Uh, so back to Transbet. Mm. Let's wrap this up. Mm-hmm. I think it's an essential reading. Um, yeah. Depending on, as you said, your um, outlook 
in terms of religion or politics yeah. or or uh, capitalism or corporate America, uh, even celebrity, uh, mm-hmm. depending on mm-hmm. where you fall in that spectrum, even even um, LGBTQ uh, concepts mm-hmm. that they're in here. They may not be to the letter, but but in spirit, they're in this book. So uh, yes, I, uh, whether you're if you're left leaning. Or moderate, I think you'd, you'd get a, a a lot out of this book. If you're hard right, just keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This ain't this ain't the book for you. Yeah, right. Yeah, Ben Skyver's got something for you. <laughs> fucking for <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's fair. And we even get Derek and uh, Warren cameos. There is a yes. There is a Warren cameo towards the end, mm-hmm. or no, midway through. Yeah, yeah. When he goes in the to bar, the other civilization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is very Westworldy. Yeah, yeah. I, I originally thought Royce. Was yes, so did I. Warren and I'm no, sure. I thought he was Darren. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but there is a little bit of Warren in in Royce, but there there was a lot more of Warren mm. in the bar scene. Mm. That's ex- yeah, he, the one on the right in the blue. Yeah, that, the blue that's Warren. Warren. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I would say too. I mean, I always one of the things I always when I reread something that's and that's old and quote quote. I mean, it's only. 20 years old but uh is does it age well meaning like there are things that we've done like often when we do yes. like when we've done book of the months of stuff from like you know like the silver age or the early like the early bronze age a lot of times i'll read it and think oh that was cool but it's cool from a nostalgia perspective yeah. but like the like manhunter the presentation of it visually and the and the and the dialogue is stunted but like i'm okay with it because it brings back those feels yep. but like objectively if i was reading it now if it was a comic that was put out today in that way, I'd be like, it's fucked up. Like, this is not very... I love you so much, but this desire of having art come to you, it's just wrong. Like, it's you, not wrong. You, it is yeah, wrong. It's not wrong. You it's come to the art. It's, it's not my perspective. How could you expect something that was created at a very specific time in history to span the generations no, sure. and be relevant to you? No, in a perfect world, I get that. But like, no, but what I'm saying is there are people that maybe can watch a movie from 1950 and love it. The Thin Man. There are people that say I can't watch a movie from 1950. It's old and busted. Like neither is wrong. It's because of your personal well, consumption. It's true. All I'm saying is, is that for me, I often will read something and think, "Oh, I really liked it for what it was." But I'm putting it in like the context of of I remember, or it's of its time and it was well executed for what was available then. I'm always impressed when I read something from another generation. And I think it's as good as it was then in all ways, and Transmit fits into that. It sure. ages beautifully. It's visually just as good as anything you're going to see today. It's it's, it's even more forward thinking sure. today. Yeah, but the dialogue is natural. Sure. Like, and when I say natural, I mean very few people talk like Spider Jerusalem. He's a man of big ideas and big words. I mean, One person talked like him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But but the thing is, is that it's like it's as good in all ways now, at, like. The example, I think, when we – the Claremont burn X-Men, right? Like generally speaking, people in our age demographic hold that as one of the grails of, of comics history, right? But like even as someone who really credits that for getting me into comics, when I go back and re- revisit it, you know, it's hard not to see the Claremont verbosity, right? Totally. And it doesn't – like again, if I was reading, if my first X Men comic was that in 2020, I don't. I'd be like, ah, oh, it's really, really wordy. You know, like I don't know. That's hard to get into. 
So that's all I'm saying is like I wouldn't have I wouldn't have pan transmit if I read it this now and thought, oh man, it's like you know it's it's of its time, but wow, it's a really good like no, it's it's perfect now. Like there's not like there's that could it could publish you could publish this right now and it wouldn't feel dated in any way. So I agree. If we want to go on for another hour, we can get into the whole aspect of of art speaking to you. Well, we've had that conversation before. I'm, I I totally am with Save you in your in your. Like the position you take, which is a, you're coming at it from a much like you have a much stronger view of it than I think I do. Like so, I'm I I think it's perfectly rational. All I'm speaking about is with consumption of art. You also concede that like the art is what it is, but also like every person's interaction with the art is their own thing. Like you you can't remove you from the present. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem. Well, That's it's not a problem. problem. It's just it's just how I. It, oh, it's very much a problem. <laughs> Because you expect this thing to come waltzing up your front step and ring your doorbell. I don't. Where you, I don't get mad you at have it. to go to Schenectady, where it resides. No, I don't have to, though, because there's terms. so much art out there for me to enjoy. I don't have like... I'm, oh, no, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, you could just pass it by. Yeah. But in passing it by, don't expect it, you to whistle and for it to come running, is what I'm well, saying. Well, sure. I don't expect it to magically morph and the next time I pick it up to be something different. Right. Yeah. You'll grow. You have... In, in another 10 years, you'll be like, God damn... Them Republic cereals were awesome. <laughs> Fucking great stuff. That pulp shit's great. Uh, All right, everybody. We love you so much. This episode of Long Co- Comics, <laughs> yes, I did it, has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Wait. Service, DCBService.com. Get your books, get them fast, and deliver right to your door for a fraction of the cover price. DCBService.com. In the meantime, I hope... That if you're in the vicinity of Emerald City Comic Con, you will maybe hear our voices or see our beautiful faces and come on over and, and, and talk with us. Yeah, for sure. We have something. A little special surprise something. A little something, yeah. Something, yeah. Something. So if you I'm really excited. I mean, I'm super stoked for to meet. I mean, because this is, as we said, it's our first West Coast trip. and maybe I mean, maybe our only, at least for a while. Yeah. And we're not yeah. going to go back soon. I mean, I love we're going to see we're going to see Jefferson, Jefferson we're going to see Pope. Man, I mean, we're going to see like we're so many people. Cole, yeah. Cole. I mean, it's like you know, guys that we've uh, people that not just guys, but people we've known for literally over a decade now, and 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 have had weekly interactions with, and and to meet them is going to be a lot of fun. Darren. Yeah. So that's if the Omicron doesn't completely eviscerate society. Who a <laughs> character who was voiced by? No, I don't remember. Oh, is it Orson? Orson Welles. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's See, right. I'm making a play. It was obviously yeah. Unicron. You get it. Yes. But uh, yeah. come to uh, Emerald oh, City Comic Con and seek us out, and we'll have something special for you if you More don't have up. one already. More than uh, That's all my in, in the travels because I this has been a breakneck week. Yeah. Oh, word? I have no books. Damn. Right. Um, no, I don't want to be a downer, so I, I won't okay. tell you what to avoid. All right. But uh, maybe you have one. Mayhap. Yeah, well, we usually do it in order. We do. Yeah. You. Oh, you mean the, the, the royal you? <laughs> yes, do I have to look at you to address you? Well, you were looking well, at me. I know, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little weird. A little weird. <laughs> uh, no, I've, I mean, I've, um, I, I didn't read a whole lot this week. Um, nothing that I prepared for. Right. So I'm just going to. That's gonna, the thing. I'm, I'm going to. I, I, for, for the plane ride, I have the first issue of Star Trek Explorer. Ooh. Dang. Um, it's a great cover, by the way. It really is. Yeah, um, I'm not sure which one. Well, I, I know the which landscape. 
The, yeah, no, no, no. But the second book is in this month's preview, so I'm not oh. second second issue. Um, and I downloaded uh, the um, first few episodes of Cowboy Bebop because I haven't started that yet. Oh my God. Dude, like it's so finish. good. I love it so much. It's, that should be that should have been your travels. It, <laughs> in I, your travels. Watch Cowboy Bebop. Watch Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, I mean... Because it's better than the anime. Well, so, here's... All right, Fuck y'all. I, was gonna, I don't care what <laughs> No, no, here's the thing. So, as you got... I mean, I had never watched the anime until, Neither like, a month ago. I haven't... I've, I watched it. I You know, because... It's, it's good. First of all, well, I thought it was excellent. Like, I was like... Because okay. I was like... Cause, well, I was... I was confused because it was only one season. Mm-hmm. And I thought, usually, like, one season cartoons mean because they, they suck. And I'm not... Maybe I don't even know why it was only one season. Because it's beloved. Like, it's beloved by a lot of people. Anyway, I really thought the anime was a lot of fun. Like, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And then, uh, but, I mean, Holden, who's, you know, my youngest son, I mean, he he's loving the Cowboy Bebop. Like, we've been watching our thing now, and he's like, when are we going to watch more Bebop? Like, he loves it. And uh, I think it's great, man. It's I amazing. Think it's, and, and it does, t- I mean, it, it borrows strongly from the anime. I mean, like, they're, they're scene for scene. Uh, yeah, uh, but it does. But it does veer in, in, oh, in good ways. Yeah. 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 But but it, it's, it's excellent. I mean, I... Uh, it's so good, in fact, that, like, to your point, when I mean, you were joking, but, but when I see people be like, nah, son, I'm like, it's a barometer. Yeah, I don't, like, cause, I mean, I guess if you, you know, we all have our, um, our, our, uh, sacred cows, so I guess if you're so in love with the anime, and this is where, it, if it starts differing enough, you're like, ah, but, like, I'm like, man, I think it's just such a wonderful homage to the anime that the, I, I don't know. The thing about the, the, cartoon that gets me is the delivery of almost all the characters is so hyped up and kinetic and, yeah, and they're, yeah. they're speaking fast and they're doing that japanese mm-hmm. uh, the not japanese the tendency of anime characters mm-hmm. to to overemphasize yeah, everything exactly. sure yeah. and it just it's it's exhausting it is to me the music Where, is incredible in that. Yeah, anime, though, and, and the music in this is great. It's different types of music in many cases, but but right. it but I love that they did really put a lot of ascribe a lot of value and purpose to the music on the line because I think you couldn't do the show justice without music being a really important part of it. Yeah, because it was such a huge part of the anime. But uh, I think they're both great. Yeah, and uh, I think you can't go wrong. I hope it it's renewed for more seasons. I, I think it's terrific. They are, they both are great. Yeah, just one's greater than the other. Um, so I have an inner travels I've been meaning to chat about for a bit. Um, and I know we all, well, I forget if Vincent, I know Dap and I read the first issue or two and talked about it. And then, uh, we've really gone silent on it and I, I caught up on it a few weeks ago, actually. So it's not so like something I read this week, but, uh, and that's crossover by Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw, um, with, with a few other, uh, helping hands as well. Uh, Chip Zdarsky writes a, an issue, uh, Phil Hester and Andy Parks do some stuff in it, but but anyway, the the main the main creators are uh, are Cates and Shaw, longtime collaborators. It's I mean I enjoyed the first issue or two, but I remember like it, so it wasn't like I'm like oh this isn't for me or but I just let it pile up, and then I I read the fir- the I reread the first two issues over because I'd kind of forgotten, and then uh, I read through issue nine. I don't know if the tenth issue is out yet, but um, I think it's fantastic, and it's like it's so fun um because the premise is that uh we're on the real world where there aren't such things as superheroes but comic books exist and then in i think 2017 in this world in denver uh basically a portal opens and outpour all of these comic book characters uh and, and they're fighting you know it's like a war like a superhero war 
um, and and only like, but they're they look like comic creatures. They like Kirby dots, and they're like you know they they it, like they're they don't look human um, exactly, but they they are physical manifestations. And they end up putting a dome around, uh, they're putting a dome around uh, uh, Denver. And then we we're now brought into the present day, so it's years later, and and the world's just kind of adjusted to it. And now as a result, like comic books are kind of uh, taboo. And, uh, it's, it's, it's considered pretty rebellious to, to buy and read comic books. And there's this whole thing going on, but what the book just takes off from there in ways I didn't expect. And it's so much fun. I mean, there are so many characters from so many different, uh, uh, comics that appear prominently. Um, like the first people we see in time are the paybacks, which makes sense. Cause that's another Donny Cage creation, you know, but they're led like the mastermind for them is freaking madman. And like you see Madman in the book, and like he's he's just a character in the book, and then it just goes from there. I mean, um, there are uh, I'll just I'll just run a few like Archie is in it, Batman, Battle Pope, um, oh the Powers like the, the Powers characters yeah. they're prominent in the second arc, which is super cool. Um, Dracula, the Darkness, and it goes on and on. I mean, it's it's like for those of you that remember Roger Rabbit, it's like that. Like every every issue. There's some that are just in a panel, and it's like, oh, that's cool. But a lot of these characters are important characters in in furthering the narrative of what's going on. Uh, I just think it's it's terrific. And then there's this there's this bridge issue, issue number seven. So the first arc is six issues, which is written by Zadarsky, and it's so meta because in this world, because of what's happening, comic book creators are being murdered. So, like, in one issue, uh, Brian K. Vaughn gets murdered. In another issue, Scott, Scott, Scott Snyder gets murdered. So, in this number seven issue, which is a standalone, Zdarsky, who, of course, would be, you know, would be fearful for his life, is on the run. And he's, like, hiding out in Canada. And he's using his given name. And he's trying to hide out. And he's on the phone with his wife. He's like, yeah, I'm okay. But, you know, I'm trying to lay low because he's worried about his life. And then someone tries to kill him. And he's saved by Chip Zdarsky. The comic book character, because it's like you know, Chip. For those that don't know, like Chip is a, it's a, it's a, it's a nom, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, a fake name. So like the Chip Zdarsky character is comes in and helps keep him alive. Uh, of the, the the Steve guy who's like Chip in real life, and it's like fascinating. This whole meta world of like these. I just think the whole thing is really well executed, and it's definitely inside baseball. I mean, if you don't give a shit about comic creators and who they are or you don't know modern comic creators that probably isn't going to vibe with you as much but I think it's just really well done and Shaw's crushing it on the art rendering each character in the way that they should be so uh, we're looking at three dots right now you're showing us three dots oh there you go yeah, uh, you, you just, from God Country yeah, yeah Valifax is in it yeah yeah um, which again makes sense. All of Kate's prior like characters and stuff are in it um, but I, yeah I thought it was fantastic man it is fantastic rather so um Definitely, uh, it'll be on my eleven o'clock year's ballot for sure. Nice. Hey, Dap, deja vu, dude. I'm right? You, it's like th- th- this is why Tony and, and Jason don't need to be on the same episode. Right. Oh, Tony talked about it. Yeah. yeah that, that, oh, that, <laughs> that, that's why. As soon as oh. you said powers, I was like, ding. Oh, damn. Okay. Well, our fourth know, chair. Tony's my boo. Tony, you know? please. Even yeah. though he's only on when like I'm not on. Yeah. 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 We got to fix that. He did me a solid. Though. I got. I, I I pinged him the other day. I told him he's a beautiful man because he did me a solid. He is. Yeah. So this is true. So there you go. So for I guess we're back to back weeks or two. Well, that just uh, highlights the fact that it's a very good book. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah, I like the look of it a lot. I mean, Shaw's phenomenal. And I think and you'd like the Zdarsky issue. I mean, I know you're not a Zdarsky fan, but like, someone's trying to kill Zdarsky. It's like right up around. It's perfect. <laughs> nice. 
Cool. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here. Again, we hope to see you at Emerald City Comic Con tomorrow. In the meantime, go read some comics, go buy some comics, and say goodnight. Now we get to see. Now we get to see. See, he's doing it on his iPad. There's a chronometer, chronometer on his iPad. Tick, 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 tick. Boom, he hit the pause button. Go. It's like, you know, Matt Lauer had that button that locked his door so he could right. do sneaky snack. Dap's yeah. got like a button that starts the, the, the ticker. FYI, there's nothing on Dap's app pad. That's a, nah, it's just comics. crossover. Yeah. yeah. All right. He's going to mess it up, though. So he he's can. like, you know, the dog that walks out of the car in Tennessee and follows the family back to, to California <laughs> and gets there. Where is he going? He missed it. You missed did you it. say David? You did. I didn't? Nope. Oh, I said it a while back ago. I'm going to say it now. David. Mm, that's a long-ass part. I, right? Yeah. That's the longest ever, I think. Yeah, I don't think. No, it's not. It's, it's no, I've done longer ones. Good night. Ooh. Got a little bit of brown out mm. in the wood compound. Yeah. Yeah. So, usually it happens when the air conditioning is popping on. He's gonna let it go the whole time. Did you did you get uh did you get the grass of Parnassus? Did you read it? What 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 is this? It's the uh, last ad house book. It's the last ad house book, it's the Eminem book. Oh I got that coming, yeah. yeah. Came this week. Mine came damaged. No yeah, slipcase is dented. The book itself is not damaged, but the oh, slipcase. I would have kept it then. David Oh I kept it. The yeah. um Yeah, no, I because when it came in the box it was at the bottom, I was like What's in the box? What the fuck is this? And I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, it's Stuart. I was like, yeah, oh, I'm shit. on a different schedule with DCBS than you guys. Like, they, Mine came FedEx. Well, I do the weeklies. But yeah, he does weeklies. I, you and I do but monthly. You, we, we do monthly. It was originally supposed to arrive Saturday. It didn't show up until Monday. I sometimes get two issues. Dude, it's... Of, of, I mean, of I, it's not, it's, again, it's not all their fault. But this, no. like, the supply chain is so jacked right yes. now. I, mean, I don't... For years, my weekly was weekly. Like, I would get it... Uh, like what, Friday? I would Friday? get it on Friday. Yeah. Every, like, every Friday I come home from work in my... I'd get my comics. It's a good day to get them. For sure. Yeah. Now, I mean, I got two DCB, I got, I got DCBS boxes in back-to-back days. Like, two weeks worth in back-to-back days. Like, it, it's just, sometimes it'll be two weeks and I won't get one. And then, like, it, there's no, I just, I'm almost, it's almost like a surprise now. I just, they, right. they come when they come. I have no, no sense of, of when they're actually supposed to be arriving. Say goodnight. Good night. Did you do David? Yes. You yeah. nailed it. Yeah, Dude, you're good. uncanny. Say goodnight. But you notice he walked away. He walked away to, to figure out the whatever tricky. Oh, is. maybe he has a, a yeah. stopwatch over there. Yep. Sneaky. Yeah, but then how would he have said it without getting up? Oh, listen, a magician nah. doesn't, doesn't, doesn't show his secrets. We're out of here, people. Later. It's funny he mentioned magician because there's one of the one of the truck books I didn't bring with me, one of the novels. It's got Kirk, I think Spock. And then the alien that they meet in this novel on the cover. The fucking painter used David Copperfield as the model. Well, he's a magician. (laughs) That's it for that one.